Yeah, Mixer's gone, right? They 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 died. Uh, yeah, they they owned by well, the assets and the IP got absorbed by Facebook Gaming. Wow. So Mixer doesn't exist in name, but it's part of Facebook Gaming now. Right. Good to know. So yeah. Wow. Uh, all right. Well, I think that's the best intro we're gonna get. So uh, welcome everybody. Welcome to <laughs> Fuck on Kale. Um, hey everyone, it's me, Abby. I'm the favorite host of Fuck on. And Kale. I am Machi, the other host of Fuck on Kale, the the world's most bestest podcast about Twitch streaming and all kinds of game streaming. Today we're talking about Ninja. He's Ninja. making eight million. He's making money. Do What's I your, should I? He blue hair. Sometimes. Wait, do I need to introduce myself? Or should well, I just be a voice? You can just keep, no, keep we talking. We're going to introduce you at some point. but Oh, shit. Okay. Wait, can I swear? <laughs> Maybe next Am week. Am I allowed to swear? No, we cannot fucking freaking okay. shite and swear. Right. It's illegal. We are have a, we're a very safe for work podcast. Okay. We pride ourselves on our clean language. We never talk about genitals. We never speak about orgasms. And we never say any fucking curse words. Okay. So I'll just say gosh darn it a lot. And it's going to be a very short podcast no, if we uh, if we can't talk about that with this particular film. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> Everybody, this is our special guest, James. Hello. Hey, it's Yay. James. Um, oh, yeah, I, I think we should probably um, just address something in the podcast to our listeners. This is not the James that emailed us. This is a different James. Uh, a few episodes ago, we received an email from a different James, but it's just a coincidence. Uh, that that yeah, other James has one. like a company about what? What's that? Like RadioPodcast.com. Rate this podcast. Was yeah, or, or was it me? You know how much? How much do you really know about me? Oh my god! Whoa! It was James. <laughs> That's crazy. Well, we know it was James, but which James is the yeah. question? I know. The identity is just way too complex right now. I can't believe you made me watch this particular film, by the way. I just, just, <laughs> just to get into it. I, I looked at all the movies With, that you had before me and I'm like, oh, I would love to have talked about that. But you give me brain damage, man. I thought you chose this film. I, I literally didn't know what this film was until two days ago. What? Until I watched so, it. So the way this worked is I, I reached out to James and I'm talking to him and I'm like, what do you want to talk about? And he's like, oh, I just want to do whatever, you know, I just want to do anything, you know, I'm, I'm very flexible, I, I do whatever you guys want. And, <laughs> I don't know, I just thought, I, I, you know, here's here's how I, I wanted to do this film, me, this was me who wanted to do this film, and I thought Classic. that it's good if I have some sort of backup on this. <laughs> <laughs> so, I thought that James, I thought that James really liked this film, and that he was like, I want to do brain damage. No, I, oh, by the way, we're doing brain. I think damage. I said I feel like I have brain damaged. Um, that da- brain damaged. Same. See, literally, I can't even say it in its uh, in its its actual sense. And then Mache heard. Oh, brain I'd love damaged. to talk about brain damage. Well, I nearly watched the film Brain Dead about three times. Right, there's a lot of movies with brain. I was like, film. yeah, I was like, oh, is Brain Dead on? Um, I thought it was on Shutter. Is it not on Shutter anymore? And Mache was like, it's brain damage. And then he had a stroke and misspelled brain damage three no. times. By the way, this happened the yesterday. This happened yesterday. Yesterday, Abby pinged me, hey, where's brain dead? And I was like, <laughs> holy fucking shit. This is, uh, is going to be harsh. Well, be the harsh truth will tell if Abby starts talking about completely different film scenes to the ones we know. There was points where I was like, am I watching the right film? Because I went to Google... 
I like to have at a, at a certain point like to check things when I get confused by all the character names I'll open up the Wikipedia page for reference and like avoid reading the plot but have the cast right. list and I looked up Braindead again <laughs> and I was reading the plot and I was like no that's wrong <laughs> fuck I'm watching the wrong film right. again here's the, here's the test is there is there is does it start with an infected monkey does it start with an infected monkey the film that you watched Abby does it have an infected monkey in no. it okay then you watch the right one that's Braindead there you go yeah, that, that um, I did. It. That is that is Brain Dead is a good movie though. Oh, it's fucking great! I love Brain Dead too. Yeah, um. I never seen it. Their 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 posters are like kind of similar. Like you could just think that they're two different posters for the same film. Yeah. Well, they're both. Uh, yeah, like uh, I think Brain Dead is also an eighties film or something. Like yeah. No, it's the nineteen nineties. Or yeah, or like 90s? yeah, early nineties. Yeah. Well, yeah, like they're 90s. both like comedy horror kind of uh, exploitation low budget films. Brain, yeah, that's the thing. Because the brain dead. When I googled brain dead, it was like New Zealand splat stick comedy, and I was like, I mean, this is splat stick, I guess. But are these guys people? They're from New Zealand. Yeah. And then I was like, no, this is the wrong film. Yeah. I was, it was. Brain, brain dead is one of those like stressed. super super gory movies that I think was so gory and so body horror that they kind of didn't make any more body horror films for quite a while afterwards because it was like, well, you just hit, you just hit max level body horror we can't do this again um so it took a while but yeah. i'm fair. pretty sure that brain that still has the record of the of the scene that has the most fake blood used in it which is the the lawnmower scene oh yeah um, oh, that's classic that's that's, that's uh, so good so good yeah it's wonderful that's a great scene and yeah well but you know the thing about brain dead kind of about this similar to brain damage for me is that brain dead is so sweet it's such a sweet film it's basically a romantic comedy that just has loads of gore in it it's kind of great yeah, you're right. Actually, although I don't know about like the the brain damage. Is there is there romance in brain damage? Yeah, of course there is. Yeah. Tell tell me because I didn't see it. I didn't see the romance. <laughs> there is. There's some boinking. There's some boinking. There's a very there's a very lackluster sex. That was one of the most tragic um, parts of the film, by the way, for me. <laughs> okay, so let's get started talking about. No, the film. no, no. I want to do gonna... one more thing. All right, all right? I want to okay. do one more thing because this is the first time we don't do bits on this podcast. There's no bits. On this we do not do bits on this yeah. podcast. So shut your pie. This hole. is not a bit. I don't have a bit. I'm, I'm not doing a bit. I, I, I promise mm. to everybody. I promise go, go, because this is the it, first time. Thank you, thank you, James. Thank you. Um, so this is the first time we have somebody on this podcast who's actually like a big horror fan. So I just want to talk about that because, you know, with this season we had Megan who doesn't really watch any sort of horror films and Sonia who only watches Silence of the Lambs sometimes and only when high. <laughs> Juliet likes horror films. Juliet likes, Juliet horror, likes films. horror films. But I don't know, like when I think about James, like James has a, you know, he likes all the old school stuff. He likes the 80s. You can't think about James. That's gay. It's true. Yeah, Jesus Christ. I can't, I can't. God damn it. I can't argue that. Whatever I do. Caught yet. But I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. I just want to know, James, like, how did it start for you? What was your, like, how did you get involved in horror? Um, I think I started out on, it, it all started when I accidentally watched 10 minutes of The Exorcist when I was nine years old. <laughs> Oops. Um, I came, it's always The Exorcist. I came downstairs and my granddad was watching it on TV. And then it was actually the point where she... She chunders the the pea soup. She burps up all the pea soup, and then her she, the the tongue bit as well. Yeah. Um, and I was fascinated by it, and I ran behind the sofa, but I kept peeking out, and then my granddad kind of suddenly 
realised I probably shouldn't be watching this and I was sent upstairs. And for many years, that was horror movies to me. And it, it, it was, it was in my mind, like it was, there was this kind of scary aspect to it. And like, I was overthinking it. And then in my like early, early teens, I started to watch, I started to, to like try and overcome that just fear of horror. And I started to w- just watch horror movies. And I think the first one I watched was, um, Poltergeist, the Tobe Hooper Poltergeist. Yeah. Um, which is kind of horror, but it's, it's more kind of ghost story really, I'd say, but there's, there's, there's elements of horror in it, um, in my opinion, but, um, and then I was hooked, and then I became like obsessed with horror movies. I started to jump into the eighties movies, like The Thing, and pretty much anything John Carpenter. I loved like um, Prince of Darkness is one of my favorite John Carpenter movies. And it's not like the most amazing one, but um, it's not. That's correct. Yeah, <laughs> um, I just I just like the combo of science and religion in that, and I also like the the special effects were just ranged from amazing to awful. Um, yeah. which I'm always down with. Also, Alice Cooper kills someone with a bike. So, you know, what more do you need? That is um, cool. But yeah, so, and then I just, basically I studied, I studied um, a representation of gender in horror movies at film school, mm-hmm. which is awesome. I watched, I probably watched about 500 horror movies in two years. So I'm desensitized okay. to them, but I love them. I, 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 loved, <laughs> I haven't seen all of them. So my knowledge isn't comp- comprehensive, even though I've just said I watched 500. But um, yeah. <laughs> I can't help but notice that you said hook. Huck. Huh? You said you said hooked, and if you take the E D off of that, you said hook. And mm. I'm not sure if you guys are aware, but there's an excellent film called Hook. I, oh. And I think we could talk about that film in this. Basically podcast. a horror film, Hook. Basically a horror film. It's uh, um, the best film ever made. About a delusional First man. Best film ever made. Um, Judy Roberts is in it. She's quite tiny. It's the most frustrating any, film I've ever watched. Any thoughts on the small no. uh, James? If if you think about small Julia Roberts, what's the first thing you feel? Um, confusion. Mm-hmm. Okay. In, yeah. I'll, injustice, I'll injustice, and unrequited love. Okay. Those are the three things. That that's fair enough. I would I would call unrequited love something else, but that's okay. We'll we'll take that for now. <laughs> okay, everyone. We. We didn't watch Hook this week. We did not watch Hook, thank God. We watched Brain Damage, the 1988 American comedy horror film directed by Frank Hannenlauter. Mr. Frank Hannenlauter. Okay, guys, have you ever seen a Frank Hannenlauter film before? Was that your first Frank? Yes. Yeah, no, I have. I actually have. I saw Brain Damage. Okay, James, what about you? Yesterday. I saw, um, he did Basket Case, right? He did, indeed, yes. Yeah, I watched that years and years ago, so I don't remember a huge amount, but I, I remember enough to to see the cameo at the end Great. of the film. Great, awesome, um, yeah, I'm glad you do. Yeah. Um, did you like Basket Case? Do you, like, from what you remember? I don't, I don't, honestly, it was so long ago, I don't remember, like, I remember bits and pieces, like, vaguely. Um, mm-hmm. I was considering rewatching it after that cameo, because I was like, whoa, did he just create, like, a goddamn Avengers-style cinematic universe? Um <laughs> Yes. <laughs> the answer is yes, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's pretty much the same as the Avengers. It Lots is. Of similarities. Yeah. The budget, for one. Mm-hmm. Similar budget, budget yeah. <laughs> uh, um, uh, similar sense of humor, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Hemsworth. Um, yeah. So, so okay. So, for me, I am just a big Frank fan. I haven't seen all of his films, but um, he, he, he hasn't made that many. But, yeah, but... He's got, like, three. No, he made more than that. He made three basket case films. Basket case one, two, and three. 
um, brain damage, uh, Frankenhooker. Um, that sounds and, amazing. Uh, uh, yeah, Frankenhooker is pretty fun, but I don't think it's one of his best ones. And uh, Bad Biology. So, um, yeah, so for me, I just, I remember seeing, okay, so the, my first uh, encounter with Frank was when I was in college. And we had a film festival in Poland that was a cult film festival where they would play like older films and horror films and genre films and all sorts of stuff like that. And there was a special event where there was uh, where they played Basket Case with uh, with a live translation. So back in Poland, especially during the VHS era, you would have like um, you know in terms of rather than you that rather than having subtitles on the screen with translations, we would have a guy like reading over the dialogue in Polish over the film, not like a dub, just one guy reading. Um, so yeah, so the cult film festival sometimes did a thing where they took a guy to to read it out live. So he'd basically read it out live and make jokes and do stuff like that with shitty films. And cool. uh, yeah, and that's how they did Basket Case. And I went to see it as like a shitty, you know, film to laugh at with a guy making jokes. And I loved the film. I thought the film was really good. Um, I was really surprised by Basket Case. Uh, it's even cheaper than this. It's even cheaper than Brain Damage. It's got shittier effects. It's like made for no money at all. And it's a similar kind of tone of like kind of somewhere between uh, just exploitation and funny. And I just and I just remember being blown away by just like being the film being about something. You usually go and see a film like this and you're like, oh, it's just a bunch of nothing. But Basket Case was about something. And Brain Damage, I also think, is about something. And um, yeah, I just started watching a lot of Frank films. I have my Basket Case trilogy somewhere there on my DVD rack. Um, I love it. Oh, wow. Did, um, did, was, are there any other references in Brain Damage to his other movies outside of that Basket Case? So the reference? hotel, there's a hotel in Basket Case that's very similar to this hotel. And I'm not sure if that's the, the exact same one, but it's very similar. Um, and I think what hotel there's the you know the the one where he goes to um, uh, to lay off like <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, there's a very similar hotel and sorry in basket case which is I guess even more prominent in the film um, yeah but those are the only two I guess I'm trying to think whether Frankenhooker has something but um, yeah, brain damage was the second one, so it was only brain damage when he was making this. Oh, it was only basket case when he was making this film. Right. So I guess that's the only reference he had at the point at the time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I quite like the. Um, I wasn't a huge fan of the stop motion animation that was in it in terms mm-hmm. of just the visuals, but I really liked the prosthetics. I thought I think yeah. for me that the special effects were like I liked the the way they. There was almost like an experimental kind of arty vibe to some of the scenes where um, there's a bit just before um, he kills his um, Uh ex-girlfriend and he kind of looks at her and he sees this sort of pink blue superimposition of her, um, which was like, it's super trippy. Like I think, I think the movie did a really good job of creating like this, this weird tone of hallucination but I think I think that lends weight to the whole drug hysteria of the eighties, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. That's true. Um, I feel like those visuals remind of the like of the woman, of her name is Barbara, I think. Um, remind for some reason reminded me of Night of the Living Dead. It reminded me of the kid in Night of the Living Dead. I don't know why, but they looked. She looked so similar. Mm-hmm. It was why. Um, what did you think of um, What did you think of 
this is what I'm curious from from both years. Like, what did you think of the relationship between um, the the two main characters? I guess like I can't remember her name actually. What was did you say, Barbara? Barbara. Barbara. Yeah, yeah. between uh, Brian and Barbara. What did you think? What did you both think of the relationship there? By the way, Barbara is very Night of the Living Dead, so maybe that's where yeah. you're taking it from. I mean. No, I know the. No, I know. Barbara. They're coming to get you, Barbara. They're coming to get you, Barbara. <laughs> Um, <laughs> no, they they look. She looked similar, like the. I guess it's because it's like because now the Living Dead is black and white, so I guess it's that sort of like two tone thing maybe, and just like she had similar kind of hair. I don't know. I don't think it was like something that they specifically did. It just looked similar. Right. Um, their relationship. I don't know. We didn't get. I feel like we didn't get much insight into it. It was like immediately we see it. I don't know. I it, I. I um, I quite like the the metro scene. Uh, when we're gonna get to it, I I think that scene has some sort of impact, or there's something going on there that I think is not like you know immediately apparent. I quite like the relationship. Like it's clearly like you know you kind of start off the film already with with the main character being very detached, so he's very you know like there's definitely a lot of distance between them, and Barbara's character is mostly just being sad about that, I guess. But there's something going on in the metro scene, I think. There's something going on there um, that's more personal or, or, you know, like a thing. So, I don't know. I think it's still, like, you know, it's not the best relationship ever. But it's more than you would get in an exploitation film like this most of the time, I would say. Interesting. Yeah, true. What do you think? She's not just there for Teddy. I had, I had a weird... I don't know. I, I think... I think a lot of how I felt about the film initially was me not really kind of getting what what it was trying to be. Like, was it trying to be horror? Was it trying to be like a really um, deep social commentary on people hating or like hating on drug use or being terrified of drug use at that time? Um, but I, I feel a bit like she was designed, she was pretty much in charge of any exposition around like relationship status and stuff like that. So there's like a scene where she is sort of just not really, she's standing in front of um, Brian's brother and she's sort of talking about like the relationship status and how she feels and how he feels and how everything's going on. Um, so she, she seems to be like more of the window into the relationship because um, mm-hmm. she's the one that's most sane, I guess, and not being manipulated by this parasite. Um, but it it did kind of feel like how it was written. It was like, maybe the person that wrote that didn't really have a huge amount of experience with relationships or enough to be able to, yeah, yeah, exactly. Women. Um, because a lot of it was very sort of, it was like, it didn't, there was, there was, there was, it didn't assume that you could like infer how she was feeling. It, It was, she was saying how she was feeling in a very objective, like direct way. Um, and it was it was almost forced. It was like, hey, I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna use this character to tell you this now, just so you know how she feels, because you'll never get it otherwise, because you don't know relationships either, like I do, right? That kind of thing. Um, <laughs> it, it, I think I think the writer, I can, it was written by Henelotta, right? It was written. Oh by yeah. Him. So like, oh, yeah. I, I think maybe he assumed mm-hmm. that we wouldn't get it, you know. I think you know the the thing about making a film like this, usually I would say is. You have to take into account what you're working with, which I think Hannah Lauder is really good at and why those films kind of work still, even though they're so cheap. And, you know, he basically just makes it, does everything himself on those films. Like, it's all him. I think what you have to take into account is you're probably not going to have the best actress for this, right? Right. You're probably not going to have a lot of takes. 
you know, it's probably better not to get it too complicated because the the amount of things that can go wrong if you try to do that is a lot higher. So I think he's trying to dial in like the main character is the one with the conflict, and then the rest of the film is just around him because otherwise it's just gonna it, there's always a chance of it getting out of control, right? Right. Um, so that's kind of how I approach it, but it's it's true, and it's true of, of a lot of '80s horror films and maybe a lot of horror films in general that you know or even the genre films in general, that, you know, the female character is usually the one that's kind of carrying the exposition in the film and is there kind of to support something else that's going on. That's, you know, that's the unfortunate yeah. truth. Abby, did you like the film? Um, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't dislike it. Like, I think because it's a, like, if it was trying to be serious, I think I would have hated it a lot more. But because it was, like, a comedy, it was kind of... Like, it was good because it was, like, stupid. Mm-hmm. So I don't I don't think I can... I think I, I think I can say I liked it because it was just stupid. Like, would I watch it again or, like, be like, hey, you need to watch this? No. <laughs> but I didn't... Dis- I didn't... I did not enjoy watching it. Hmm. I See, I, I'd be... <clears throat> I'm, I'm, very, I'm similar. Like, I... I don't know how I feel about it. I think it's one of those things because I, I spent probably the first quarter of the film not really knowing if I was watching a comedy or not. Um, there were def- there were clear mm. moments of it, but then it kind of shifted tone quite quickly in certain situations. Like com- comparing him, his kind of goofy dance in that in that punk club where he's completely off his face and he's like making weird noises. Combine yeah. that with that really... Um, well acted i thought scene where he's in like the dodgy hotel room and he's like trying to beat the addiction and he's yep. crying on the edge of the sink mm-hmm. Th- those that i think as an example those two very contradictory scenes in my mind made me like quite unsure about i was on un- i was on unsure footing like i wasn't sure so i think for the first my first pass of this film I'm, i will watch it again for sure mm-hmm. i'll make my mind up a second time but i don't know the first time we'll have to see that's really interesting <laughs> Yeah, I think that's because you know, I honestly, th- I think that's because you guys are maybe not that used to films like that, or you maybe haven't seen as many of you know cheap exploitation films as I have. Because for me, like I start watching it, and right away I realize, okay, this is the level we're working at. So I kind of get my expectations in line, and then you know, at this point, brain damage kind of exceeds all of them in any way. So well, to me, it's like a comfort yeah. film. You know, watching this film is just like chilling out. It's just like uh, all the bad, all the good, all the funny, all the scary, all the disgusting. It's all just comfort. It's just like a nice warm blanket to my soul, which definitely says something that bad about sense. me. But I don't know. Yeah, but we already we already knew yeah. that. We already knew your soul was fucked up. So I'm not, not going to comment because I'm a guest and I don't want to outstay my. I don't want you just suddenly to drop Insult my call. Him. Like, well, you're already yeah. a better Rose guest him. than Sonia, I will tell you that. All right. <laughs> Shots fired. Oh my god. <laughs> um, yeah, no, you can roast Mache. One thing that we do allow on this podcast is insulting Mache. It's not you're not allowed to insult me. It's but the you can ro- okay. Mache. I'm not. I'm uninsultable. To be fair, I'm perfect, but. <laughs> Mache has. There's a lot you can. There's a lot you can criticize. Well, when Megan was on the show, I, I would say that the table was flipped a little bit i'm not sure what you're talking about mm. uh-huh. was there a, is, was there a roast reversal i could say that you could say that but, but you know it's funny what you said about comfort 
and I think that there was there was certain there's a tracking shot in brain in a uh, brain damage, which was pure oh, comfort yeah. for me, and it mm-hmm. I think it was like this, and I, and I I attribute that to a lot of like Carpenter movies as well, where there's lots of like, he seems to go out of his way to film specific industrial scenes where things look a bit grimy and run down and it's a lot of the time it's cold and bleak looking and I don't know why I take comfort in that I think it's more of a nostalgia factor from when I watched those films as a as as a youngin but um I think that like there were certain elements to that there's a scene where he runs out of a subway and it looks like something out of like a fallout game like it like it's really like apocalyptic almost and I think I take a lot of comfort in that for some reason um, and you see it a lot, yeah. Like I said, you see it a lot in Carpenter movies, and a lot of I think a lot of eighties movies kind of embrace that grimy, grimy kind of cityscape. Um, but but yeah, like that that was a I think that was like a big positive for me that, that those scenes were in there and they were actually really well done in my opinion. Yeah, weirdly, right? So yeah. Yeah, like the movie's fairly well made. I don't think it's especially like for the time it was made in. Like, there's only so much you could do with the effects. I think the effects are pretty on par with what, like, a non-comedy horror film would have been anyway. So, it's fairly well made, I think. Well, at this point in time, you had so many. Like, you already had The Thing, and you had The Fly, and you had all those, like, you know, big films of the 80s that were, you know, I would say still, you know, that that we still can't really get to. Like, you know, the, The Fly looks so good that you can watch it today and be as impressed as you were in the 80s. Like, you know, it was just so good, so well made. So, you know, this is definitely not at that level. But still, considering the budget of this thing, it's pretty crazy. I don't know. I, I can check how much this film cost, but I, I can tell you it did not cost, you know, maybe, it maybe cost a quarter of the fly. I mean, you can, you can definitely tell there, there are parts where they were like, oh, shit, we don't have much money, but we need to get this effect. Let's just be really... There's a scene like um, where the guy gets killed towards the end. In the, in the, he's having a he's having a poo and he's reading a magazine in a toilet cubicle, <laughs> and it it hits him. And it's clearly like they ha- they must have had like these grand delusions of like blood splatter on the wall behind the cubicle, but it was clearly someone behind there with like a squeezy bottle just like <laughs> squirting blood everywhere. Like even the movement, someone was clearly just like waving their hand around while squeezing the bottle. So yeah, Take a, like, like Yeah, that was quite. I feel like that was that point because I feel like up to that point everything was kind of okay and that that bit you're just saying like I think they run out of butcher or something. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, listen, who has the corn syrup and the squirty bottle? We're just gonna need that. This is the last scene we need to do until we got five dollars left. We have five dollars and twenty eight (laughs) cent left. (laughs) Let's do it. Corn syrup's expensive. Maybe that's just because I bought it off Uh, the website. But I mean, that would give that would put you down to five dollars. Yeah. With just the twenty-eight cents. At least, cents. if you bought it from American Food Study. Yeah. Would. So, um, just for comparison, I checked it. Uh, the budget of Brain Damage is uh, nine hundred thousand, right? It's below a million. It's below a million, and the fly is fifteen million. So the Whoa. fly costs fifteen oh, times wow. as much as Brain Damage. Just for comparison's sake. <laughs> Quite significant. So I mean, they did kind of fine with what they had. I think you know you know where they didn't spend it on the actors. Yeah, pay that much. No, no, no one. <laughs> there was no hairdresser in that in that movie on the set of that film. There was no <laughs> one. <laughs> I think there was one, and it was it was the woman yeah. who played. It was it someone. was yeah. It was just her doing her own hair. <laughs> it was, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> <Hannah> <laughs> was like, But um, 
But what, um, I, I had I had a question. This, this, this is the question that I've been wanting to ask you both mm. from the very beginning, from the moment I watched the film to now. Okay. Is yeah. what did you <laughs> what did you think of the scene in the shower with the muscly dude? Uh, oh, it's my favorite scene. That was great. I can't wait for that scene. I can't wait till we talk about that scene because that's my favorite scene of the film. I think the second time I watched <laughs> it, that scene is I think my favorite scene. Um, that- yeah, it's good that I chose a, a film that doesn't have any gay stuff in it, right? That's, that was a good <laughs> choice. Homoeroticism in films is one of the most fascinating things to me. Um, the 80s are great for that yep. as well. The 80s are full of it. And it's like so weird yep. sometimes. <laughs> I mean, so weird in terms of like like films not realizing it. Like this film, I would say this film is like nearly playing with the idea of how homoerotic it is. It's like it's so blatant that you know the fact that it doesn't even try to hide it is great, you know, compared to something like Top Gun, which I, you know, honestly the only thing I can think about when watching Top Gun is did they know how gay it is? Just because like it ruins my brain to think about it. It's like yeah. I don't know. Top Gun is a benchmark. It's a benchmark. Top Gun is it? amazing for that. Have you seen Top Gun, Abby? It's the blueprint. No. Oh, Top Gun's great. It's worth That's... worth watching the beach ball. There's a there's a volleyball scene. Which uh, yeah, consider- the shower scene. Yeah. <laughs> and there's some tight speedos. There's, there's tight everything. And they're, they're all up in each other's faces, <gasps> wearing tiny Very towels. Tight. Like, every conversation, <laughs> they're, like, they're practically kissing while they're talking. Like, it's, it's, it's intense. There's it's amazing. Yeah. It's like, that's literally the most, uh, like, to me, that's the only interesting part of that film. Because, like, the film is supposed to be about flying planes, and they fly planes, like, two or three times. The rest of the time, they're, like, in the shower, and they're playing yeah. volleyball, and they're doing all this stuff really close to each other. And I don't think Top Gun is aware of it. Like, that's the weird thing about Top Gun, is it's just... I don't know. It, think, it thinks it's a macho film. It thinks that's macho. And it's kind of sweet and weird at the same time. Like, uh, I don't know. But, but you think that... Is there a... Sorry, Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, but in in comparison, do you think do you think that brain damage is um, as aware? Is, is sorry? Do you think brain damage is unaware or aware of its of its own? I think it's aware. I think it's like aware, but it doesn't want to make a big deal out of it. It's just kind of it kind of rolls with it. That's kind of how it feels to me. It's right. like yeah, some of the stuff feels homoerotic, and it feels to me like Frank is just like great, awesome. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> this is put in. It's fine. <laughs> Yeah. Do you know what age Frank Cannonlotter is? Well, now he's pretty old, I would say. Um, but do you want to know what age yeah, he is? Yeah, tell me. 69. Oh, nice. <laughs> nice. Yeah, he kind of, like, Frank... It's not a coincidence. Frank was making those films, and he would make a film every few years, and they were getting more and more budgets. And then he kind of stopped. And then he just started making, like, documentary films about other exploitation filmmakers. Um... Yeah, so I think that's also what he's doing now. He made a film like about sexploitation and, and things like that. Um, I haven't seen them. Um, it's kind of sad, though, that he kind of moved away from it. I think Bad Biology had a really bad reception and people really hated it. Um, so he kind of stepped away. But um, I have a lot of respect for that man. It's like, you know, a lot of those exploitation filmmakers, the same with like John Waters. It's like, you know, they just took a camera and filmed their own stuff and did everything the, the way they wanted to. It's very self-made. I think that's also what kind of 
makes me so attracted to those films is that they are very very much a singular vision of one guy who came up with all this stuff and this is how he wanted it to look and i don't know it's like it's the only film like that like brain damage is the only film like that there's nothing else like it it's just this guy's <laughs> idea of what a film is supposed to be <laughs> yeah i respect that. i think yeah. that he just i think that he just missed the he missed the not the mark. He missed the like deadline for sex exploitation. Yeah. Like he made Basket Case in eighty two, and then he made Brain Damage in eighty eight. So I feel like it, the sex exploitation was kind of like done in terms of like its heyday or whatever. Yeah. That was like seventies to eighties. So he just entered too soon. Yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> and like you know, Basket Case and, and Brain Damage, those are not sex exploitation films uh, in any way, no. honestly. But he did really like sex exploitation. Yeah, films. Bad Biology, as far as I understand, is a sex exploitation film, and that's like released at the beginning of the two thousands. And I haven't seen that film, but you know the the way like John Waters works in the two thousands, like with. Uh, Cecil B. Demented and A Dirty Shame is that he's basically making exploitation films, exploitation films in the 2000s. And the way they look and the way they feel, because it's the 2000s and not the 70s anymore, is they feel like like really cheap American Pie stuff, you know? Because the times have changed so much that it kind of feels like he's doing American Pie, you know? Because that's mm. like the closest thing in terms mm. of aesthetics and stuff like that. So it's kind of weird. It's a weird experience. And I like I like those John Waters films, but it, it's definitely like I can see why there's no audience for them because who's going to watch it? I mean, I feel like Bad Biology sounds like something I'd be... I don't know if I want to say interested <laughs> in watching, but like I feel like I'd watch it. I don't know. It sounds... Because it's like about... The first line of the plot is about periods. That sounds like a body horror that would actually relate to me. Like I'd 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 legit watch all of all of Helen Lotta movies now. I think um, after this, I just to give them all a shot. I I think I probably watch Brain Damaged again. Just now I know that it's kind of meant to be predominantly kind of a bit tongue in cheek comedy. But yeah, Bad Biology sounds good. I'd give that a shot too. I, this is it's a whole really new hard corner. to find. It's two thousand eight. Say, say again. That makes 2008. sense. Two thousand eight. Yeah. That's that's yeah. uh, that's positively modern in comparison to this one. It is no. It's about. It's like Jennifer. She blah blah blah. blah. She explain. It says she has an over-evolved hyperactive reproduction system. I'm not entirely sure what that means, um. But it says she explains that she started menstruating when she was five, um. And I feel like, I think that's probably happened before. Yeah, probably. I started when I was like eleven, which is also like quite early. There's something about like films that push the boat a little bit too much that I really like. I don't know. I don't know. Every time I hear about something that's like, oh, so controversial and so nasty, I watch it and it's usually like, oh, it was fun. It's just kind of interesting. <laughs> yeah, I think I think the controversy is just interesting. Like if something's controversial, I'm like, yeah, that means it like made noise and I want to. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. It's the same like I want to know why. Like the same way. Raw, right? Like Dogtooth. Or Dogtooth, yeah. Or Raw. I was thinking of Raw. Like, yeah. Dogtooth is one of those films that like I heard someone talking about it. And about like they enjoyed it, but it was like that it was fucked up, and like everyone else was kind of like, "Oh, that sounds fucked up." And I was like, "That sounds fucked up," but like I want to yeah. see it, and I watched it, and I was like, "I won't show this to anybody else," but like I enjoyed it. Besides the fact I had to watch it with like layers of language, yeah. because I found it and it was dubbed in Russian. Oh Jesus, no! Oh, and no. the subtitles, so it was they were speaking Greek, but the the the, no- the voices were Ru- in Russian, and the subtitles were in English, oh, and it was so it was confusing. Um, but I still enjoyed Doctor it. Doctor, to be fair though, Doctor is a pu- fucking punch in the face. That film is harsh. 
um, in a lot of ways, not in the ways okay. that you would expect it to be. Um, that's I'm a really unpleasant film. Dog, dog yeah, tooth or it, one word. Yeah, that's very good. It's um, Lan- it's Yorgos Lanthimos. Yeah. I feel like I'm getting this. I feel like a layer is being pulled back, and I'm being able to see a whole bunch of new horror films that I want to watch. I wouldn't even call it that. That's horror what we film. do here at Full Punk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's just a it's just a fucked up film. It's not horror. It's just disturbing. It's like you know, if you would call Funny Games a horror film, then I guess that's also a horror film. Right. Um, yeah, but Lanthimos is usually good. I, I would call the Killing of a Sacred Deer like a proper horror film. Uh, I haven't seen it's it. It's good. Uh, I liked it a lot, and it's like a, I would say, pretty pretty proper horror. Like it's still Lantimos, and it's weird, and everybody talks like you know, <laughs> like their mental patients, you know, and they have no emotions at all. It's kind of interesting, but like yeah, it's it's more of a horror structure than like the lobster or Dogtooth or anything like that. Because uh, I feel like there's also a degree to which like things like that, like films that are fucked up, versus so like I've seen with college as well. There was always I did like a cult film module. And I can't remember if these films were in it, but I feel like they must have been because, like, when else would they come up? Maybe European cinema. Yeah. I don't know. Um, but, like, we did... Um, and I, Again, I've talked about this on the podcast before. We did The Idiots um, by Lars von Trier, and I hated that because it was just, like, completely exploiting, like, a whole group of people. And it was just, like... it just I was, like, watching it, and I was like, this is, wasn't well made. Like, the visuals aren't good. The plot is disgusting, etc., so there's like levels of fucked up where I'm, and it, even though it made noise, I'm like, no, that's not like, this is not okay. Whereas there's other ones that I'm like, this is clearly fiction. They're not trying to make you think it's not fiction. It's also well made. And it's not like specifically exploiting a really sensitive or like delicate group of society. Right. So I have my, my barrier and I, what do they call it? Yeah, <laughs> your say? barrier or like, you, I have yeah, my, I have my lines. Line, line, like so. I have my, yeah. Um, but I do think like films that push the bar, a bit too much for like general consumption but that are still like as i said like not taking advantage of a whole group of people that aren't as able to like speak up for themselves do, do you think that um if we if we were to get into a time machine and to go back to when brain damage was released do you think that would have provoked uh similar reactions in terms of being shocking because there's uh, there, there's a couple of scenes in that movie which i like for me, we're just like, oh my god, lol! Like the 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 blowjob scene, um, mm-hmm. or the pseudo blowjob scene, that kind of thing, which I I think might have been a little bit shocking back then, and may have made the press a little bit. I I didn't actually look into like what the press coverage was around the movie around this time, but do you, do you think that there would have been an element to that in those audiences? I think it's nice to I, th- I think like... it's nice to think that this film had press coverage. So. <laughs> <laughs> Go on, Abby. You're welcome, Frank, if you're listening. I feel like um, that was the, the one of the one scenes where I was sort of on board, and then I was like, "Oh no, I don't like this." Really? Um, and I feel more so. It's funny. I feel the opposite. Whereas I don't. And again, I mean, I don't know. Maybe it was different, but I feel like if this film was made now, that scene wouldn't have been able to be in yeah. it. Like it wouldn't. It just wouldn't go with audiences today like some people would not mind but i feel like i guess specifically like from a female point of view i don't think that scene can really like could have been made today i because it's it's it has too many for me it had too many like rapey vibes because even though it's like haha it's not really a dick it's this thing like trying to eat her brain out 
this is we haven't actually like described the premise of the film so the <laughs> listeners just oh like, shit yeah <laughs> um but like i you know like it's uh, yeah i don't know it was just it was kind of too many rapey vibes for me and like i thought like it was funny when like aylmer pops out and because he looks like a dick oh yeah like it looks like yeah a penis, sure <laughs> which is just like quite funny but then it was a bit too much the because yeah. the blood once there was blood i was like oh no the the kind of forcefulness was like oh i don't like it but then the blood was like no yeah yeah no, just just to give you some context that um that scene filming of that scene actually incited a, a protest of the filming crew and a lot of people walked out of the film's production because they didn't want to film that scene and they just oh. didn't return um, and, and frank was like we're not dropping that we're doing that anyway and a lot of people walked out so yeah that was definitely shocking i think similarly shocking as it is today um even though a lot has changed and probably that scene really wouldn't be in a film today although it probably could have been in a, in a low budget exploitation film still because this is a different world and stuff like that happens in that world but um yeah. But yeah, but yeah, that's definitely the scene that kind of stands out definitely to me because that's the one pure exploitation moment where it really feels like, you know, it's something like a ten-year-old could have thought of that and thought it was funny, and put it in the film, and it's just kind of weird. Um, yeah, well, well, maybe we'll get to it because there's a lot of things in that in that blowjob scene that I <laughs> that I think there are to kind of uncover. 100%. But let's talk about the the premise of the film. What's the premise of the film, Abby? You're good at that. <laughs> So, the film is about a parasite thing. Name he's got a name. He was given a name by someone else, but his his the name he's been given is Elmer. Elmer. Um, it's spelled Elmer, but it's they just say Elmer. Um, he, I mean, he, I guess we'll say he because he's he's voiced by a man. He's voiced by John Zacher Zacherl, who did lots of horror work back in the day. Um. <laughs> So the premise is that Elmer is this parasite who b- feeds off brains, basically. Um, so he's he's described as a malevolent leech-like brain-eating parasite. Um, and so at the beginning of the film, it's basically there's this couple who I think they're a couple. Yeah, they're a couple. There's this couple. They're like old enough, but like they look kind of like probably like middle-aged. Um, and you can kind of immediately see in their apartment that they're like. They have a lot of, I guess you'd describe it as like tribal or like African um, artwork and like statues around their house, um, which I guess was like fashionable back then. I feel like yeah. we had some weird, um, like questionable African looking statues in our house for a while. For 90s. Um, but they have like a lot of them. Yeah, very like very like late 80s, early 90s. Um, and so they have a lot of them. They've got like spears. Um They've got stuff like that in their house and they've got like a lot of books. So you kind of get the impression that I guess they're sort of educators or at least like are educated, like quite educated people. Um, And they are just the husband comes back from the butcher or something. um, And he's got like a plate and she's like, oh, great. I'm going to go feed it to Elmer. And you're like, who's Elmer? It's their son, I guess. I don't know. He has a special diet, and they bring and it's it's brains. It's just a plate of brains. They look great. And they go to feed it. Yeah, they go to feed it to Elmer, and then he's not. He was in the bath, and they're like, she's like, ah, he's not here anymore. 
Um, and they're like, no, he's gone. So basically, Elmer has escaped. They scream a lot. I love how much they scream in that scene. This is like the first scene of the film. And like right away, it's like, oh, his brains. And then it's like two or three minutes of them running around the apartment screaming. But you know, it's it's just Mrs. Ackerman is the one that's screaming. She's like, she's like a, uh, it's like she's absorbed all emotion around her for the last like 24 hours. And this is, it's all coming out once she has to release it like a battery. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I, I... Well, probably this is the only film that actress has ever made. So this is all bottled up for all of her life, and this is her big break. So she's like, "Oh my god, this is gonna really make me." And it, I guess, I guess. It um, <laughs> and then the one thing that I really liked um, was that, and this is sort of what made me immediately like, okay, this is a comedy because they've got a lot of like strategically placed books, but one of the ones that there's like a pile of books, they're all. Um, turned around so you can just see like the the non you can't see the spine of the book but one is turned around so you can see the spine and it just says liquid pain <laughs> and like very clear writing um that's so that quite there's funny a full, and it becomes like, quite there's a shot prevalent. of of the guy just destroying a whole bookshelf and it's just it yeah and so the but also just like i guess at this point we don't know what elmer looks like so it, for me in my brain i'm thinking he's the full-size human yeah it turns out he wasn't, but I'm like, why are they looking in the bookshelf and like in the cupboards with the plates? Why would the, he be in there? Stupid. But I guess it, it was possible. But so the books they've got that I could see, um, Pagan Worship, <laughs> Liquid Pain. They've got two copies of Liquid Pain. Just in case, um, you know. Satan and yeah, <laughs> they love Liquid Pain. Satan and yeah, it's well, who doesn't, you know? Um, Satan and eroticism, <laughs> eternal thoughts and witches. Maybe by Roald Dahl. Yeah, sounds like it could be. Um, but yeah, so those are the books they have, and then they go like check with their neighbors, um, and they've got loads of locks on their door. We see they go to their neighbor, and she's just like, "I don't have them. I don't know what you're talking about, or whatever." And they're like, "Ugh." And then they just give up with one neighbor. They're like, "Ah, oh, that's the only place you could have gone." Yeah. Let's it's, stop it... looking now. We give up, and then. Oh, yes. sorry. And then um, so then there's Brian. Is someone called Brian? is sick that's the next scene brian's sick in bed his girlfriend is like well i'm gonna he's like you should go to the concert with my brother and immediately i'm like well the brother and the girlfriend are gonna fuck um well, immediately, and that they like, yeah that they did well yeah spoilers and but yeah <laughs> they, they did. did spoiler alert they do um and at this point it looks like the two i call them pagan folk <laughs> um it looks like the the two people their names are um i wrote it down I think, yeah, their names are Maris and Martha. So it looks like at this point that Maris and Martha killed themselves because they're like foaming at the mouth. So my brain went to the fact that they like poisoned themselves and killed themselves. Yeah. Um, that might not be the case. It is not. It's it's funny, like when you um, when you look at it in hindsight at their behavior. I th- I think it was like originally set up so that you'd be like, "What the hell is happening here? Like this is this is freaking weird." Like they're they're looking for their ten year old child behind a book ca- bookcase. <laughs> Feeding him brains. Who they're feeding yeah. brains yeah. to, for some reason. And then when you when you apply like the context you get from the, the rest of the movie, you're like, well, they're actually just a pair of drug addicts, yeah. and they've lost their yeah. their stash basically. Yeah, very mm-hmm. much so. They're um, using him. Um, By the way, um, <clears throat> yes. Yeah, so. uh, I didn't mention that at the beginning, I think, but but Frank Hanelotter wrote this film um, basically as a metaphor for his, uh, own drug addiction, because he was taking a lot of cocaine in the 80s, which is so weird. Nobody what? took a, a cocaine in the 80s. Very, very original man. 
Um, but anyways, yeah. So this film is about that. It's about him dealing with his cocaine addiction. Interesting. Do you ever think about how how weird it is? Um, maybe this is just me. I don't know. I also feel like I just have a lot of anxiety. So like I see these things happen and I'm like, oh, Jesus. But do you ever think about how weird it is that like drug taking is this weird thing that just goes back and forth where like it's I feel like now it's like normalized again whereas like you know there's a period where it's like oh cocaine is bad don't take it ecstasy is bad don't take it all of these things and then suddenly we're at the stage like I have a lot of friends who do it all mm. the time yeah and I'm like why don't you know about history you're fucking with the chemicals of your brain yeah, it's, it's marijuana is fine what you know that's grand it's not gonna kill you even though the first time I had um, marijuana, I thought I was going to be the first person to ever die of it. <laughs> the the <laughs> first that time? Was the wow. paranoia. Okay. The first time I was sitting there and I was like in a pancake shop, pancake restaurant in America. And I was like, oh, fuck, I'm going to be the first person to ever die. Wow. There, there are worse places to and die, mom, though, and how much, to be fair. Yeah, that's, that's uh, true. There, there that's point. I was like, who's going to tell my mom? Who's going to tell my mom that I'm the first person? to die of marijuana um i didn't die uh, luckily but like i don't know i feel like i have so many friends who do like hard drugs regularly and i'm like it's a very i'm like i don't judge you i feel like i do i feel like i say i don't judge you but like i do i think it's a very just, dublin know. thing i think that's just something that happens a lot it in is. dublin a lot of people take drugs here a lot of young people take drugs here but yeah, mostly. I, it's just from my experience, young people so take a lot of like, yeah, chemical based stuff, ecstasy, MDMA, ketamine, even cocaine, cocaine. Yeah, but ketamine, cocaine. Yeah. But it's like weird because it's so it's really normal. We've gotten really deep now. It's really normalized, <laughs> but like, I, I, I'm like, it's still dangerous, and it's like historically been dangerous. Like maybe you're not doing heroin or meth, but you're like, still doing stuff that maybe isn't what you think it is. Like excuse me like it's still dangerous yeah. and like it puts you like out of control i don't know it's just weird to me but it's the same thing as like people still smoke that's correct and we like know for a fact that smoking kills you like or, you know damages your lungs quite significantly and damages the people around you's lungs so it's like i guess you can't be surprised because if people still do that then people are still gonna do other things but it just i don't know it's just weird to me and i guess like watching this film which is like about drugs and thinking about how it was such a bad thing back then and like still is and people will like i feel like people will talk about like quote-unquote junkies you know they'll like be derogatory about people who are addicted to things like heroin and who like maybe like homeless and maybe not necessarily as a result of a drug addiction but a more turn to drugs because of the fact that they're mm-hmm. homeless or like experiencing a bad time and the same people who would like criticize those people and like make fun of them are the same people who will then go on a night out and snort mm-hmm. cocaine just for fun so it's like i don't know it's just really weird to me i don't know where this tangent has come from but i feel like i've become more and well, it's, more it's aware on point. of I mean, friends just taking drugs like it's, it's it's a it's a premise of the movie isn't it as well but i, I think like yeah. i think well, i yeah. think with the movie it's like th- there was a lot of that then but i think a lot of that was largely due to the fact that kind of obviously it was reagan era governance and you know society wasn't in a really happy place then and a lot of people turned to things like you know, stimulants and drugs and alcohol and all that kind of stuff to, as a coping mechanism on piggybacking of the whole recreational side of things. I think, I think nowadays in real life, there's a lot of, there's, there's a lot more drug taking going on. There's a lot more kind of mind expansion 
stuff being taken like LSD and so on. If you if you look at um, a lot of the Silicon Valley types, they they they're renowned for microdosing LSD when they're when they're inventing new things and new apps and so on. Um, so I think there's there's definitely that fine line between stuff that's gonna damage you irrevocably and stuff which which might give you a little bit of an opening that you wouldn't normally get you know breakthrough limitations and so on it's yeah. it's a tough subject for sure yeah yeah it's a weird one and i feel like it's also it's just weird because i feel like for, for me anyway like going through the irish education system as a child obviously like i went through catholic education and a lot of it was bad but i do feel like there's a point to which like the education you go through is there's parts where you're taught about drugs and you're taught about peer pressure surrounding drugs, peer pressure surrounding everything, but like specifically peer pressure around drugs, the negative impacts that drugs can have, etc. And then I feel like you learn all of that and you absorb it so much. And then you go to like college and you get to that age and suddenly it all comes back as though everyone's forgotten mm-hmm. about it. And everyone's like, let's do lots of drugs. And specifically in Trinity, um, the drug culture there is like quite significant because a lot of the students are really rich so they can afford like when I went to school there wasn't really I know that I feel like in like one of the private schools where I live I feel like I heard a lot about like cocaine happening there whereas that didn't happen for me because my school was a public school so there wasn't as much like insane amounts of money circulating but I feel like you get to college and suddenly the drugs come back and the peer pressure comes back and it's like, guys, do I remember, remember how much education we had about this? And how, like, if you want to do it, that's fine. But the, I feel like there was always this, and I don't, like, personally wasn't, like, peer pressured by my close friends, but I feel like peer pressure also just comes in, like, the inherent thing of, like, everybody's doing mm. it. I sh- Should I also be doing it? And it's just, I don't know. It's so weird because I just feel like you go through so much time talking about how bad drugs are, and you get, like... You know, I don't think, I think marijuana's fine. I feel like that should be legal. But, like, other drugs that could just really, like, could just kill you from the chemical makeup that mm. they've got. It doesn't even matter. It doesn't even matter, like, the, I don't know, the way you do it. It's, like, the chemical makeup itself could just kill right. you. And you're just taking them for to get, to have some fun. I don't know. Like it, I think, like, there's that whole... Um peer pressure aspect in the movie as well though to your point Abby for sure especially like when you when you think about like it's a bit it comes more from the relationship of between Elma and Brian but I, I was thinking about the chronology of this film and I Brian is clearly dosed before the relationship happens because there's that hallucination where like the the water starts to fill up in the room and he sees kind of like the lampshade that turns into the eye and then it's this bright light and it kind of is very trippy. Um, So so it's almost like there's like a non-consensual aspect to it in that to your your point, Abby, about being recreational and like taking those drugs through choice because of X or Z, whether it's through peer pressure or whatever. I think the peer pressure part for brain damage is very different in that that peer pressure comes only after he's been hooked to keep going um so there's that whole conversation scene in that dingy motel room where where Aylmer's like yeah sure like I'll give you some uh, you know it'll all go away if you if you uh, just get me a brain you can have another hit that kind of stuff 
Um, and he's sort of like, yeah. there's like a kind of psychological warfare between the two and he's like pressuring him to keep going and that everything will be okay. And I think at one point earlier on in the film, he even says like, you don't actually have to make any more decisions. You can just enjoy yourself for the rest of your life. I'll take care of everything. Um, and it's only when you, like, I think probably halfway through the film, just before the scene where Mr. Ackerman comes out of that dark archway and starts just hitting us, dropping that exposition bomb. Like this is yes. law bomb, <laughs> like the history of Elmer, um, that you realize that Brian actually doesn't know what he's doing. He has no idea that anyone's been killed. Mm. I, I, up until that point, I thought he was aware that security guard had been murdered yeah. in the scrap. Yeah, me too. But, but it's a really yeah. interesting point about drugs and like consensual drug taking, peer pressure and so on. And it, it definitely applies to brain damage as well. And it's, it's actually amazingly yeah. one of those films. It's kind of timeless in that sense. And that stuff is still happening perpetuated history from you know before and after that movie was made so Uh interesting yeah that's true true. and i think you know in terms of drug taking you know brain damage shows a very specific you know type of relation that kind of happens when you get into that thing and when you lose control over yourself and you know uh the way elmer works seems to be very quickly uh working you know in ways that maybe not all drugs are um I don't know. Like personally, I think that you know, there's probably a way you can take drugs and and enjoy them and be okay. But it's just you know, it's a risky thing. It's a risky game to play. It's just up to personal responsibility for me. Like I don't know. I wouldn't judge anybody for taking any sort of drug, honestly. Um, and then at some point, it also becomes a just a sickness. But um, yeah, I I'm just blessed with like uh, with a mind that doesn't need that or want that in any way. So I feel like also that's very easy for me to say. Because I really have no craving for any sort of stuff like that. I don't even know what drugs are. Yeah, I like, feel I don't like... know what drugs are. What, what, what is marijuana? What is that? What do you, you call it marijuana? It's a, it's a spicy leaf. Oh. Leaf? It's a spicy leaf. As far as I know, you roll it up in a um, little tube and then stick it up your nose. Cool. And your bum. Or your if you bum. Stick it up your bum bum. You can stick it up your bum bum. I don't think I stand on a pedestal when it comes to drugs. Like. I guess they're probably fun, but I think it's I think it's just one of those things where and it does come down to the fact that I have crippling anxiety. Yeah. So like I can't conceive of doing something purposefully that could just kill you for no reason. Like I can't it, it just doesn't work with my brain, but the part of that is the fact that like it messes with your brain and my brain's already got some problems up there. So like adding another mm. thing the stress is out of this world. Yeah. Do you, I got I got a question for you guys. Do do you think that brain damage is forceful in the way it pushes like its anti-drug message? Do you think like it, it goes out of its way to tell you drugs are bad, don't take drugs? I don't think so. I I don't think that it's super like blatant with the fact that it's about to me anyway, it's not super blatant about being about drugs. Like it's obviously about drugs and dependency. But I don't think it's really heavy-handed with it. To, to me, anyway. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think it's you know because of the context and how it feels. It's kind of a fun film that also is about dependency and all the bad stuff that happens with it. I think the why it works is also the way it ends and the way it kind of unravels is actually quite dark, which is a little bit in contrast to maybe the the general aesthetics and a lot of the jokes in this film. It's actually a pretty dark film by the end of it. And, um, yeah, I don't think it's pushing anything on you. It's, again, because this film feels so personal, it just feels like, yeah, that's just his experience and kind of something he went through. And 
I don't know. I don't think he really wants you to get it from this film being like, I never want to take drugs again. You know, that's not really the, the goal of this. There's um there's one scene in this movie, right? It's just mm. one. Like there's I, a I few agree. actually. I I agree that this film, like I I agree in that that sentiment that the film doesn't kind of like push an agenda very like blatantly there, if at all. Yeah. But there's one scene where, <clears throat> which for me was like actually, again another tone shift in comparison to like, you know how we were talking earlier about the the goofy dance scene in the club versus that sort of war of the minds in the in the hotel room. Um, there's a scene where Brian is in an alleyway and he's like mm-hmm. trying to get the next fix so he kind of presses his face against the wall and kind of in contrast to that scene is this this old homeless man on a stairwell literally crying yeah. uh, with a bottle of alcohol. And, and for me, that, that I was like... I, at first, when I saw this scene, I thought that, oh, okay, so what's going to happen next? Elmer's going to go for this drunk guy, another victim yeah. to strike off the list. But nothing happened to that drunk guy. And it was just like he was just provided in sort of stark contrast to the, the rest of the scene. And and for me, like that was the first time when, when that didn't happen, I actually almost had to go back and rewatch it with that in my mind because I actually missed the next scene because I was still thinking about this piece. And I was like that 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 for me is was like this very self contained little snapshot of like addiction is like is bad, don't take drugs, don't be be in this kind of this this area it's like realm of despair um and there's a lot of lot to interpret in that scene and i thought that was actually a modicum of genius almost in that you could even argue that like that guy on the stairs that guy with no hope could have potentially been a future version of brian that could be brian in 20 30 years time just like this obscure faceless nameless identityless person um but but yeah like that that was the one scene that's kind of why i asked you guys i was curious to see what you thought but like i honestly like that that scene for me was was actually deeply affecting uh and again completely in contrast the rest of the movie um which was fascinating yeah i think i now that you mentioned i feel like i forgot that scene because it is so fleeting like i remember seeing it but i don't i guess yeah my brain wasn't like hey where'd that guy go but it's true because it is that thing of like, listen, if Brian continues this way, he's not going to like be able to be a fully functioning human. He's not going to be able to, well, at least potentially given what's the fact that he has a parasite in him who lives off brains and needs to murder people consistently to acquire those brains. Um, Like he, and that's the point is that the couple handled it well in the sense that you could kind of say that they were microdosing in the sense of like, they were still functioning and they were feeding Elmer. They were like they were keeping Elmer on their own terms. So what we learn in the film is that they were feeding Elmer animal brains. Um, so which I guess similar to Twilight. <laughs> <laughs> There's, I don't know. It's it's better in terms of it's not as satisfying, but it's also not as like damaging. Um, and so in doing that they were able to control Elmer and if they wanted a hit, it was on their terms. And while they were, they were definitely reliant is when like we see that they, they, that's why they were like in withdrawal when they were like foaming at the mouth, they were reliant on him. But at the same time, it was still on their terms. Whereas because, and this because, um, Morris, who I guess is like a professor who has studied this kind of thing. 
and like he bought Elmer, so he seeked is seeked a word? He seeked he seeked Elmer out. Yeah, he seeked Elmer out and purchased him for this exact purpose, as opposed to Brian, who like like you said, um, James, he was non consensually basically forced into an addiction because he was initially um injected, I guess, um by Elmer um without his own knowledge. And so they could still function and it seemed very much like they could function as normal human beings. Whereas Brian's just kind of wandering around the place amazed by everything, amazed by like a sight like a what are they called? A, a car wreck oh, site yeah. or whatever. I don't know. A car wreck. No, yeah, like, what I know what called? you mean, like the scrapyard. A, a, a dump. Yeah, 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 yeah. A scrapyard, that's what they're called. Um, like amazed by a scrapyard, amazed by everything, going to a club, just a completely off his face. Um, but the point is, is that that off his face thing is like how he is as long as he lets Elmer control him. So it's, and he can't cope with the withdrawal when he's still got the temptation of Elmer who can just heal the withdrawal by injecting yeah, him again. Yeah, I, I, get I get what you're saying in terms of, like, the comparison between the Ackermans and Brian in that, like, the Brian's... The, the Brian's? The Ackermans were, um... Were the Brian's? <laughs> the Ackermans were, like, clearly addicted, obviously, but they were... They had a they had a handle on it. They can manage it. And they can regulate it without anyone getting <clears throat> killed. And they were able to, like, you mm-hmm. know, keep control of the situation, whereas... Brian almost becomes like a force of nature. He's he's he has no idea. He a large part of it is that he has no idea what's going on for probably the first half of the movie. Whereas the Ackermans are educated. There, there's intent and purpose there. And like you said, Abby, they they looked for him. They they seeked uh, Elmer out with that knowledge. Um, whereas Brian's just kind of like I don't know what I'm doing. I'm living in this tiny apartment with my brother, who's really thirsty for my girlfriend. Who's written really weird? Uh, <laughs> um, does her own hair? Everyone does their own hair, you know. Um, so he he's into some great music though. Brian is into some great stuff. He he's is, got a yeah. Slayer poster. He's got a Suxi poster. He's got a Bauhaus poster. We have no evidence that he listens to that That's music. True. He's just got posters. maybe he's got good, just good taste in posters. He just likes the know. art. <laughs> Fair enough. He's just in it for the art. Like porn, you're just. I I honestly just thought that like um, that whole kind of triangle, that whole love triangle was was so kind of like a an approximation of what a Henelotta thought would be that situation in reality. Like you got the brother that's lusting after the girlfriend of Brian. You've got like the girlfriend who like isn't committal really, but is but is even though she's like very like she's like heavy duty into Brian and she wants to like do the whole long-term relationship planning and then very, very quickly switches to, to Brian's brother. So like, I think she's portrayed as, as being quite weak willed and that the brother is portrayed as being this sort of vacuous, like thirsty guy that doesn't really give a shit about his, his family kind of thing to, to, you know, to, I don't think that's true. I I think he's into the girl, but, um, but I don't know if he doesn't care about Brian. You know, it's just like the the plot kind of unravels in a way where this is, I guess, the thing that happens, and you kind of expect it to be a big deal. But it's not even that big of a deal in the end because it doesn't really matter that they slept with each other. But um, you know yeah. what? You know what his brother is, which will answer all Go the on. questions about whether or not he cares. 
He's a man. <laughs> Mike drop. Disconnect from call. <laughs> his name's Mike. <laughs> Is his name Mike? Mike drop. God yeah, damn. He... I walked into that one. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I think... I don't so, know. So, so like, I get, I get what you're saying. That I, I think, like, for me, may, maybe it's the acting part which is was yeah. difficult for me to read that, and that's why I interpreted it the way, I, the way I did. There's a scene. There's, there's actually the scene where, which I, I thought was kind of awkward and a little bit clumsily done, but where Brian is laying in bed, he's just got back from his attempt to break away from Elma, and his ex, now ex girlfriend and brother Mike come into the apartment not knowing he's in there and they start they basically get into it they get down um yeah and then they get busy with it you know they get jiggy they get busy yeah and uh, yeah and uh like Brian is just sort of laying there and he's sort of just listening to this stuff going on and he's he's completely resigned himself to his fate um and I thought that that part was like extremely tragic I thought that was there was a certain element of realism there and Elmer kind of yeah. gives him a little bit of comfort. But the the scene after that all happened when uh, Brian's like, I, you guys need, well, I'm going to go, but you, when I come back, you need to be gone because I don't want to kill yeah. you. I still like care for you. The brother in that, his reaction is just like, oh, you just woke me up. Like there's, there's no like shock or panic that his, his sibling has caught him <laughs> sleeping on the sofa, you know? Yeah. Um, and that for me, it was a bit sort of like, there there was nothing in that scene to say like, oh shit, about 24 hours ago, you were with this woman that I'm now in bed with. Um, I think you're kind of expecting the scene to go there. And I think, I mean, yeah, that's probably an acting thing. I, I think they expect that as well. Um, right. uh, Barbara and Mike, but it's just, yeah, I think it's just that Brian comes in hot with the get out of here because, you know, stuff is going on. And I think the fact that he doesn't care about it is like kind of what changes the dynamic of that scene. Fair point. Yeah. And I think in an interesting way, because it's interesting that the film kind of makes that turn now where it's like, okay, it's not about this anymore. And that doesn't really matter just because there's a lot more dangerous shit going on. So Brian kind of automatically switches gear into, okay, I just want to make sure I don't kill anybody. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> That my girlfriend is sleeping with my brother. I, I kind of fucked up, so maybe that's fine. I just want to make sure that I don't kill anybody, which is nice. I think that's cool because it kind of shows that I he cares like... about them as well. Right. I also feel like I have a hard time, and I think I'd imagine you guys did too. Like, you have a hard time determining like where you can morally stand with it because it's like, I don't know we don't know what their, any of their relationships were like before. Like we don't right. really get any glimpse into how any of the relationships actually are. Um, and I mean, <clears throat> the next, like on they go thingy, Brian and Barbara go on a date and he breaks up with her. And I think that's under the influence of Elmer, but it's still like, excuse me. It's still like, um, he's, they've broken up. So technically, like Barbara probably would have been like, yeah, we broke up. And then, you know, so it's like, it's while it's not the nicest thing to do, it's also like technically there's no like, it's not like they were together and he was treating her quite shit anyway. And maybe they have a bad relationship already. Like the the brother and the, the two brothers, like it's hard yeah. to know. I think it's so, implied that they don't. And I think a, it's implied that they have a good, like that both the relationship between him and his girlfriend and between the brothers is fine. 
Um, do we do we get any inclination? Maybe I need to watch it a couple more times. But do we get any inclination, like, as to what Brian's life is like outside of, you know, the situational stuff that's going on? No, not really. No. Like, does he have a yeah, job? We don't know. That, we don't know. Like, I don't know. I like they could be anywhere between seventeen and thirty years of age. Yeah. It, it, it reminded me a lot. Like, it, I, I'm only really thinking about this now, and it reminds me a lot of like the. This is going to be a weird, weird segue, but it reminds me a lot of like the questions that would come around when you watched Home Alone. When you, when you kind of like you enjoy the film, right? Like you, you understand the situational part, and it's like it, you know you get swept up in that. But you, you, you over time you start to question certain other dynamics, like the size of the yeah, house. Yeah, like why is Donald Trump there? Yeah. <laughs> There's a good like, reason why Donald you know what Trump I mean? like, is there. The size of the house, like what does? There's nothing, nothing to infer what yeah. the dad does. Like it's, it's clearly like why is the house like been decorated to be a Christmas house? Like so fundamentally from like a foundational level. Um, like you know, so so many aspects to it that you start to question. I think that's that's where my head is getting now with brain, uh, brain damage is um, like if I think about it, like if you think aesthetically, aesthetically you you can learn more about Brian and his brother. Like they live in a very small apartment. It's not amazingly like decorated, so it's it's a little tiny bit run down. Um, the brother lives with him, sleeps on the sofa bed. Brian has the bed. Um, it's, it's, there's no, like, there's nothing in there to say, like, career. I think you kind of assume that they have, like, odd jobs and they're sort of trying to make ends meet and they're living in the city. Um, but I can't think of anything in that movie that tethers him to anything real life. Like, in terms of job, career, all that kind of stuff. I think as well, the fact that they're living together, like, maybe it's their parents who pay for where they live. Like, we just, we don't really get any information i guess that's purposeful because it means that we don't feel any sort of thing like personally anyway when i watched it i didn't feel when i watched barbara and mike i wasn't like oh my god this is so terrible and horrible because i'm like well their relationship was ruined anyway um sure. that we also don't uh, like the, i don't have any concept of what any of them are like outside of this situation so it's like you don't go into it hoping and expecting for a behavior from yeah. others so there's just a few things I feel like we need to point out. We need to, there's some lore that needs to be described. Oh yeah. So, okay. yeah. Brian. So Elmer is this lad. who's a little parasite looking yoke. He's a little worm with a big head. He's, he's like Navy in color. He's like a dark Navy. Cause he's not entirely black. He's Navy. I feel he's kind of, he's navy. somewhere between a penis and a, and a piece of shit with the brain stuck on the end. He's got these stupid eyes. Um, that look like they're not googly eyes but they do look like something you could buy in an arts and crafts store um, so that's what he looks like he's got when he opens his mouth he's got several series of different types of teeth these weird hook yolks that are blue yeah. and then he's got a little needle that comes out of his throat and that's what he uses so he's put a hole in Brian's yeah I neck, didn't understand that um, which I didn't is basically, understand that bit yeah, it's his it's his entry point. I guess that's how parasites work. I don't know. That's the entry yeah. point for when he injects him. So when he injects him, he injects him with some kind of a hallucinogenic sub- substance. So yeah. he puts the little needle in and blue liquid drips onto his brain. And every time that happens, we get a little scene 
of it happening and it like electrocutes his brain we see the exact dose he gets it's like a small little drop they're and it, like, really proud of that sequence shocks they keep using that yeah, sequence they were just, like yeah. they're like this is really good do you think we could use this as an opportunity to put this sequence in again because did all really the budget good. go into that though? Um, and yeah. they spent all their money <laughs> yeah. yeah probably i don't think it cost a lot of <laughs> money to spit a little yeah. blue liquid have. and then do like a post with some lightnings i yeah. think it's fine they had to buy a brain they needed to buy well, they a brain. bought a lot of brains for that opening scene so and that's true. And then me, they me, me and Abby had um, brain so connection there. We were thinking the same thing, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> you were like budget. Um, <laughs> so, so that's the story. It's a blue liquid. There's a few different sequences of his him hallucinating. He like sees his light bulb turn into an eyeball. Um, his room fills up with water, etc. There's a lot of shit going on. Um, Elmer basically is like, listen, I'll do the thinking for you. Brian's like, grand. And he's kind of seduced. Like, oh, he's yeah. like, oh, okay. Like, he's a bit, he's a bit horny for him. Yeah. Um, there's, a, there's a sexy thing going he, on there, for sure. Yeah. Albert injects Brian's brain. Brian, I guess, comes. Um, and then that's kind of that. Every time he gets injected, he comes a little. There's a also little, like a, a little, little. I'm not a little. He comes a down, little. Like, it's like 20 minutes. He, he's just un, unstoppable. That would be... <laughs> tantric i'll be very very hurtful if you came a little but uh so what i'm thinking is that there's some weird penetration stuff going on as well because elmer mm. seems to be inside brian a lot of the time and i'm not sure where he is uh, i'm i'm not sure if he's inside him or just like on but, but you him. see yeah. that's like because i thought he was inside him as well but i think he's on him because he is he's on him no guarantee he's on him because he's got little sucky things he's like he's like an octopus he's like one that's what he's like he's like an octopus but the octopus has one leg that's exactly what he looks like yeah okay and he's got little suckies on his leggy it's not his leg he's got little suckies Mm. on his body and that's what he uses so he obviously sucks onto elmer or fuck he sucks onto brian he attaches himself onto brian using the sucky thing that's what i didn't get that's what it is i didn't i didn't get about so there's there's two parts that kind of like i didn't get about that because they'd obviously they'd they'd set up the law and the creature design there so and i agree with you abby like that he's he had very specifically has those like octopus kind of suckers so that he could attach to to the outside of a body but there are two scenes which kind of i i think there was maybe certain kind of changes made liberties taken with the artistry there just to kind of push the scene. So like the first scene was the blowjob scene where Brian is like having a, a major, a banging orgasm whilst that woman's being killed. There's, there's no <laughs> physical connection between him or the woman. And then the second one is when he's on the train at the end before he kills his, his ex-girlfriend and it's in, it's in his throat and mouth, um, which up until that point kind of ingestion or like internalizing that parasite was, uh, wasn't really like a thing so and that confused me a bit and i don't i didn't know what to make of it mm, i think they also purposefully like avoid showing us the logic they're like listen right. he's in there don't ask how don't ask why think, he just yeah. Yeah. uh yeah i kind so, of yeah, I think that. i think you're right yeah i kind of forgot that part but yeah, yeah I, I don't think it's fully like yeah it's not even supposed to be fully explained because because why yeah. they don't want to tell us much yeah. They're like, listen, just watch. But, but then again, that, that then again, that scene where it's like in in his throat might also be like a little metaphor that the the addiction is so like because I mean, like once he's um, once he's killed the girl, the ex girlfriend, and he has like bits of brain like on his lips, and he's like, it's less about like um, Aylmer doing the 
doing the killing it, it it's now this is more of like a duality they're like they're, they're they're almost like the same where before they were very different entities i think maybe maybe that's a little commentary on the fact that he's been connected to elmer for so long they're almost becoming one because the ingestion is i think it's very symbolic the the, the ingestion of the brain through brian's mouth as well as uh-huh. elmer's there um, when before it was very separate mm-hmm. and like all Brian was there for was the um, the neck injection. But I don't know. Yeah, Brian at this point has kind of like accepted that, like which is shown by the fact that he goes to Mike and Barbara and is like, listen, you guys need to leave. Mm. Um, this is going to be killing and there's no way that I can, like I need him, but he needs me, mm. etc. So he's like, he's kind of succumbed to the fact that this is just going to have to be his life. And so he has to give up, the, which is I think again, like quite indicative of like the the connection to the drug hysteria um is that this he's giving up his family and his whole life for drugs because he needs them he's dependent on them so it's it's pretty much that you know you lose your you kind of choose drugs or your family in this case he has to choose drugs um and yeah it's kind of shown from that point on when he's like you guys need to go when i come back you need to be gone and he leaves and he's kind of at this point elmer's in him and it's kind of Elmer is the one now who is, you know, pulling the strings or, yeah. So the first murder we see is that Brian they have a run in with a cop and Elmer attacks him, um, and uh, Brian is and and like the same thing. Brian is and Elmer's not in Brian at this point. It's just like it's a kind of an outer body thing, like where he watches it happen, but I guess it's not he's not absorbing the information because he doesn't remember it happens. So that's the first kill. It's kind of fun. And then yeah. th- this this is where there was a good line where Brian says. What's going on? Is he okay? And Elmer says, he's alright. Just a little bit overdone. Underdone. <laughs> just That's alright. Just a little bit underdone. Can I just that say that, that that security guard was fucking hardcore from the beginning. Like, yeah. he stands up mm. he took just his job as seriously. Loads, loads that hand cannon but an inch from his face. He is he is ready to go. He is ready to kick, to kick off. Um, yeah. Didn't help him any though. Sadly. No, no. no unfortunately. It, it really didn't happen. Yeah, I guess it's important to know he's not actually a policeman. I just observed him as one, but he is like a security yeah. guard at the junkyard. He's, he's ready to go. <laughs> um, a little bit different. Um, yeah, and then they refer... The, I feel like one of my least favorite things is the fact that they refer to the drug thing as, as um, Elmer's juice. <laughs> yes. Well, that I love that. It's great. <laughs> no, it's very funny, but it's just like... Uh. What, what was it he said in the hotel um, room? Like crawl over to me and something something and i'll give oh, you some juice i'll give you my juice i'm like whoa <laughs> i think i wrote it down let me find it it's good stuff. oh ready to crawl across the floor and beg That's for it, my juice <laughs> yeah well it was amazing. just about missing the word bitch um <laughs> but yeah so there and there is there's also kind of the thing of at the start of it it does seem like the relationship is like while it's not while it was initiated in a way that like Elmer very much had the control. I mean, they they both Elmer is the one who has the control pretty much the whole time. But um, I feel like there's a degree to which Elmer's like, listen, I give you this, you give me this. It's like a it's a transactional relationship. So like Brian asks for more of the juice, <laughs> and um, Elmer's like, you've had enough tonight. But but yeah, so he's like, you've had enough tonight. Um, so he's like rationing him. So it's not like he's completely obsessed with drugging him at first anyway while 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 um 
while Brian's still willing, I guess. Well, it's just a case um, of, like, you know, he wants to control him, so he doesn't want him to kind of get, like, you know, high all the time either, because otherwise he can't use him to kill yeah. people, so it's all about keeping it uh-huh. so, then, sort of, um, you know, balanced. Yeah, but then he does eventually give in when Brian is like, please. And then it's kind of, a, I guess it's a time jump. I don't know how long, but, like, suddenly Brian's got, like, buckets full of water all over his room and he's got loads of locks on his door he spends all of his time in the bath that's awesome i love that bath um, shot when he's just the bath scene, in the bath guess, having the time of his life i, I guess elmer's giving him head at this point yeah. or something something funky's nice. going on because they're in the bath and 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 brian's like yeah i'll be in a minute and then elmer emerges from the water from brian's crotch area and shoots juice yeah. everywhere um and Brian's like, oh, just, oh God, I love, and like giggles. I love your average bath time. You know, that's how we all have baths, right? Just he is so happy. <laughs> Brian is so happy. Like he's done. This is the this is the most heartwarming part of the film where the relationship is just really added. Well, this and the shower scene, but yeah, one of the two. They're in love. Um, yeah, and then so then Brian goes on a date with Barbara yes. to I think to break up with her. Um, and he hallucinates that his meatballs are brains. Now, my first thought here was, this looks like a fancy restaurant. Why are they doing meatballs? It's not that fancy. It looks like it's in a warehouse. It looks like a fancy it looks enough like, restaurant. It looks like it, it could be in Dublin. Like He's that restaurant could be in Dublin. You know, like the next themed. <laughs> We've got fancy restaurants. You know, you know, you know what I mean? Like that that kind of wall mural, like the kind of you know street vibe to it. Yeah. Like that could absolutely be a Dublin restaurant. That's true, but like. He's got, he's at least, he's wearing a suit. Who in their right mind would wear a suit that has a white shirt and get spaghetti and meatballs? You're asking for somebody uh, maybe pretty high on some kind of drug or something like that. They both get meatballs. Both yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's true. I, why would you? I don't know. There, there were some well, puzzling bits about it, actually. Because <laughs> he, he wears that suit that was for the, the whole honestly, movie. Like, the thing that made me question things the most was yeah. the meatballs. Doesn't he wear that suit for the whole movie? That's like he, the... he was wearing it. Probably. He was definitely wearing it when he, he goes puts to the club. On... Oh, no, he went to the club after, didn't he? Yeah, he was. Well, yeah. Yeah, he goes right after. Yeah, he goes to the club after dinner. So he, like, breaks up. He tries to break that up. That whole scene, if like, you oh, watch the scene without context, it's like he's coming out to her and he's afraid to say he's gay. Like, that's literally how the dialogue goes in that scene. Yeah. And he's like, well, but yeah. this is, like, going on, you know, and I need a little bit of time to figure some yeah, things yeah. out. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> he's like, I need some space. Um, You know, there's someone else. She's basically like, are you saying there's someone else? And he's like, yeah. Yeah, sure. kind of. There's, you know, so, something like that. Yeah, he says something like that. You know, yeah, kind of. He sucks my dick in the bath. I get yeah, in brains. Yeah. I just really need the juice. Um, I just really need that juice. I, you can't provide that for me, you know. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so that's all. That's all that. And then he goes to, he goes to the club, the club. Um, and this lady's like, you're fucked up, aren't you? <laughs> and then they're just like dancing. He's got no rhythm because like the music is going and he's dancing completely yes. offbeat. Like, I don't know what song he's listening to, but it's not the same. It's a pretty one. cool song, by the way. Uh, it's a weird thing. It is. Yeah. I think at that stage, he can probably see the song more than hear it. Like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> True. That's a thing. Seeing sound. Synesthesia. Yeah. You can like see the colors. Um, 
from Santa. Yeah, Brian says he has that. You know, that he can see colors and stuff like that, yeah. I'm wondering, like... Brian, yeah. In the movie? Yeah, Brian says that he's got this sort of very... He's high on Well, yeah, that's why he has it. Everything is color. Uh, You know what? I'm wondering in that scene... Pharrell apparently has it. Do you think that that scene was, like, meant to have a sequence in it? Because it's uncomfortably, like... So, for me, I had trouble um, unpacking that scene in my head while I was watching it, because... Like the what like not unpacking the scene because it was obviously just a guy goofing dancing in a club, but like what what was the intention behind it from a directorial point of view? What what were you trying? Well, to that's convey? the um, well, that's the point. Like he has a date with his girlfriend, right? right? And he kind of breaks it off with her, so he kind of succumbs to that kind of lifestyle, right? So we have the club scene where he kind of goes full crazy and he kind of starts doing it, and then it results in the most grisly scene of the film, like the most like really horrific kind of act of violence that's supposed to make you feel uncomfortable, you know, mm. even though it's, you know, we can, we'll talk about it. And then it goes to the drunk, you know, outside, right? So I think in the mind, like, of the logic of the film, it's just like, you know, that that, that drug film kind of thing of you go up, uh, up and up and up and then you go down. Okay. Uh, yeah. So this is the up. It, it was just... Yeah, this is the... He's on the... It was just strange. It was like, it, it, it felt like, like on, on face value, it felt like there was a missing hallucination segment there that would would if you if you inserted that into that scene and kind of cut back to him going making all those weird noises while he was dancing um (laughs) then you would get that kind of context that he's seeing all this you know like how towards the end when he looks at his girlfriend he sees like like i was saying that super that weird kind of contrast Uh of what she looks like something like that he kind of sees her in he sees everything in like yeah it's weird isn't it it's weird i feel like I think that they've kind of tried to set it up at the start. And I think to me anyway, it's like at this point, we're supposed to just assume he's hallucinating yeah. <laughs> most of the time. Um, so like, I feel like it was probably more effective to like have it at the start and then have it at the end. But then in the middle, just like to let us watch how the scene is actually happening as opposed to watching it like through Brian's eyes. It's like, this is what's actually happening. He's not going to remember it, but like, this is how oh, yeah. it's actually going down. This is the... This is the reality of it, I guess, as opposed to watching it through his kind of fun, coloured. I felt really bad for that woman in the club, by the way. Like she did nothing wrong. She was just, she was just, she wanted to party. She was just like she saw him. I think she just kind of misread him in that she thought he was like. I mean, she obviously thinks he was. She said, I think she even says like you're drugged or you're like you're you're high or something like that. And she just wants to have time. Um, and yeah, it goes wrong. And that's not what she gets. That's not what no. she gets. Yeah. So. Yes. Doesn't so they have they a? Go in the back. They do yeah. a big kiss. Yes. And then they go. Um. They go through a door that's like keep out. So it's like you know no one's gonna interrupt. And then she touches his pee pee, but it's not his pee pee. He's like, and she says, "This part's also quite funny." Um. She says, "Feels like you got a real monster in there," and it's like only if you knew. <laughs> he does. Yeah, it's pretty funny. <laughs> He's got a like thousands year old um parasite in do you know places. as well i think that is the only that before they go through the keep out the kind of the, the fire escape door wherever it is mm-hmm. that they end up i think if i think about the rest of the movie i think that's the only part where you actually see other forms of drug use like there's those women that are banging on the door mm. to the toilet and then there's other two women come out and they they've clearly just done a couple of lines like two to seven lines. Yeah, Because yeah. <laughs> they're, they're, go- they're going they're like, <laughs> on their nose. Yeah, um, yeah. But I think that's the only other drug use I've seen in that movie, Like, yeah, which is interesting. And it shows us the contrast of well, it. Well, it's just that kind of environment, right? It's building the world and kind of building that time. And, you know, Frank loves the 
see the kind of you know city landscape. Oh, I, lo- I love really it. I love that. it. I, that, that, I think that for me is one of the biggest, like I was saying, biggest merits was that kind yeah. of CD, um, yeah. I kind of grimy cityscape, just so good. Yeah, it's nearly like an Apple Ferrara film, you know, like uh, like uh, the Addiction or or Black Bad Lieutenant or something like that. Yeah, it's got that same sort of feel, I think, to it. So this scene, he so she touches his um, PP, not PP. And then um, he, she takes it out. I don't, does she take it? I don't really know what she does. I can't she, she kind of unzips, so I think. He, she one. unzips. Yeah. And then it just like comes out. And we just get the side view. And it just, it looks like a penis. Yeah. Like, now, when, a penis that you would probably see in like a hentai. So it's like not a human penis. But it... It's veiny. It's just a very. It's so, just like a. It's, a really angry deal. Yeah, it's a shot from a porno film. Like it really looks like it's from 100%. a porn. So because it's like from the yeah, side. I wrote, I wrote yeah. this. Yeah. I just wrote the film has become porn. Absolutely. Yeah, it looks porny. Yeah. yeah, definitely. And and she. But it's yeah. like I it, it guess it got away with it because it's not a penis. It got away with what? <laughs> like what way did it I don't get know, away? Like it was allowed be in it. Well, I guess allowed. it was probably already. Like from a censorship yeah, like. But I feel like I, I get, this could have been an exit. They would not care about it, honestly. Probably. Yeah, I suppose because I was gonna say, I feel like there's like NC seventeen, isn't there? Yeah. Like, because isn't um. Yeah, but NC seventeen only applies to like you know it's like people don't want to get NC seventeens because they want to wide release the films and a lot of cinemas will not play those. But but that's what I mean. Surely this would have been NC seventeen. But brain, I don't it's know. Like, isn't what's that film called? narcolepsy nymphomaniac is nymphomaniac well, not in well, seventeen? listen like nymphomaniac has actual penises in the in it and actual penetration and you know real sex uh which this is not in any way Ew. this is not a real sex <laughs> <laughs> well. real sex Ooh. sex is Blech. yicky um uh, Shia LaBeouf is one of the people that has real sex in this film. I think it's really him because it's kind of hard. Like, if I remember the shot correctly, it's kind of hard to get a double for the kind of shot where Shia LaBeouf is having sex. So I'm pretty sure it's his penis. That seems like the kind of thing he would do. Yeah, yeah I'm breath. pretty sure it's um, true. very Shia. Um, but yeah, so Elmer, like, goes into the lady's mouth. Yeah. Um, Which I don't get, by the way. She's very much not I into don't, it, I don't, obviously. I don't get it. You don't get it. So, well, yeah. It's a joke. It's a. What do you mean? It's just supposed way? to be shocking. I don't think it's supposed to make much sense, honestly. I suppose he would he would go through her soft palate, and then come at the brain from sort of underneath. Yeah, as to, I guess so. Yeah, I, I, I think about the science uh, of it too much. Could you not like go through the? Could you not go through the um, the? I also don't understand science, but could you not go through like the the nasal passages like because you can get to the nasal passages through the back of your throat so if you see that's the up, thing I, like i that have way. to be like at an angle though right i love i love creature design he could he's a worm but he could make I mean. angles yeah but not in this like but oh i don't know Honestly, I, I, like, I think for me like i not, i like to theory craft and i love i think especially if you look at like 80s and 90s or early 90s films when kind of creature design was very creative and it was very um there's a there's a very very good process around how these kind of things these monsters and aliens and things were created and you can actually like talk quite in depth around like the anatomy of them and like the purpose of the function everything was functional like there was like nothing on like for example a xenomorph like there's a xenomorph the xenomorph in the alien franchise there's a there's a functionality to how it's built and how it's artistically created and i think for me 
I think probably I did this wrong. I think when I was watching this film, I was trying to look at Aoma and figure out like anatomically and from a creature design point of view, like how functional would he be for his purpose within this movie scape? Um, and I think that's where, like, where I think a lot of people would be like, oh, it's it's kind of like a, a blowjob metaphor. Like, it's kind of going into her mouth and it's trying to get something from, you know, her brain, um, a part of her brain. In my mind, I'm like, well, how would that actually work? Like, how, how would, would he be able to, is he opposable enough? Like, and then I would start thinking about, like, what what is the interior of his, like, mouth area? Like, would that be functional enough to be able to do that? But that, I shouldn't be doing that, right? Because this isn't that kind of movie. So. Well, yeah, I don't think the film is really trying to think about that. I think the film is, yeah, this is like an exploitation moment. Right. This is supposed to kind of be like punching you in the face a little bit. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's a it's a very grim joke. And um, yeah, any way you look at it, I don't think the motion that they're doing in this is much makes much sense in any way. Yeah. Uh, because yeah, she keeps going back and forth, and it's weird. Um, this scene takes a long time. It um, does. It's it's a lot longer than you would expect it to be, just to kind of hammer in to your mind that it's happening, I guess, so that you can't just forget about it. It, it kind of makes you watch it for a while. I'm, I'm, and um, I'm pretty sure as well that they, um, Henelotta spends more time on Brian's orgasm face than anything else in that scene. And I don't know if that's like a, a, a tap into that whole, a side tap into that whole kind of homoeroticism. That there's like a preference to focus on the pleasure of the man um, in that sense. But I don't know if you noticed that, like, like there's a, there's, there's that, that porn aspect of like cutting to the dude kind of enjoying himself in that whole scene was, was lent, lent on way more than um, the yeah. actual like image of, of, you know, Aylmer in her mouth. Um, yeah, there's also like the, the coming in this film is, I guess her brains being ripped out from her right face, I guess, like from her head It's like, yeah, at the end, yeah, it's just Elmer kind of comes out and kind of spits out those, those little, uh, brain particles or whatever. Brain goo. It's kind of, it's very <laughs> gross. It's really kind of, ugh. and then you kind of get the, uh, the coming face. It is, um... In a weird way, I, I do think that it's kind of consciously terrible. Like, it's kind of a joke, but it's also not really a joke. You're supposed to feel terrible watching it. I don't really think that you're supposed to just laugh it off. There is uh, elements to this scene that make me feel like, yeah, you, you were supposed to feel disturbed by this thing. And this is also the mm -hmm. moment where kind of Brian is going to start turning away from the fun stuff. This is a very big turning point for the film in general when it stops being fun exploitation and starts being kind of yeah a little bit hard-hitting exploitation and i think as well when you think about it and i don't really think that um helen lauder i needed to look at what his name was <laughs> um i don't think that helen lauder was like trying to make much of a commentary on like rape or consent or anything no. like that because it was 1988 and he's a man um <laughs> but <laughs> but like <laughs> but i feel like you know in this scene it's like this woman hasn't consented to like not that she hasn't... I mean, she's... She's consented. Well, she, she hasn't consented to this, to, let's say it that way. She was going to give him head, but, like, the... I guess the 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 extent to, I guess, how aggressive it is, obviously she hasn't, but that's... It's Parasite who's eating her brain. So, um... But, like, also, Brian hasn't consented to his body being used like this. Yeah. You know, like, this is very much... He's being used 
to murder someone. Um, so, you know, I do feel there is, and there's kind of a, then a, a body horror aspect of that, that it's like, he's doing this and like, it's something that is using his body to do something that is horrible. Yeah. Yep. Mm. That's what I have to say on that. And yet, all the um, time when you're watching it, you can't get away from the feeling that this is a joke. Or at least I can't. Like, I'm watching the scene, I'm like, oh, this is kind of a joke, but it's also kind of not a joke. I think that's part of the unpleasantness of it is... Yeah, I don't think it's supposed to be a film that we're, like, unsure of whether or not we're... Like, I don't think they want us to watch it and be like, hmm, I don't know how I feel about this. Like, I I think they very much want us to be like, Ugh. Yeah, I find, yeah, I find it hard, it is, like, like, a, like the, t- the tonal aspect I found quite hard. To, to stay on top of like to navigate you know like and i said this a few times now i think in in the in the cast but like it's it's um it's one of those things which is one minute you're kind of chuckling and the next so like another good, really good example actually like while we're on this particular scene is the the real goofy comedy nature of him dancing in that club and being off his face and like just kind yeah. of really like and it, it goes on for for very long it goes on almost as like uncomfortably long as there's the subsequent scene on the rooftop or wherever. Um, but the, the kind of juxtaposition of that, like you look at how kind of silly and goofy that is in, intentionally being compared with like that pretty shocking, like blowjob esque brain extraction scene, I guess you could, could summarize it as. And, and I think that's a perfect example for me to try and, if I find it very hard to like mentally navigate while I was watching it for the first time, I think it's like I said, I think giving this a second pass I'm going to see this film in a very different way because I know what to expect. I, I understand the geography of it. Um, I'm going to, I know like that this part is designed to be humorous and this part coming up is going to be probably less so designed for that, but to, to kind of shock. But I think that like, if you're just a first time viewer of this, I think it can be quite difficult to navigate to kind of understand what, what is Henelotta intending for this direction or this scene. Sure. I think a lot of it depends on what you know about Han Lauder and what you know about this kind of cinema and how much you know about the film before you go in. Um, yeah, that's that's just, you know, just because it's a less popular type of cinema and that's not usually how you do things. Although when I think about drug, you know, films that focus on drugs and stuff like that, that is a pretty similar thing, I guess. You know, if you watch Spotting, I think there's a lot of the same things that you were talking about kind of appear in trace spotting as in yeah you've got a fun scene of them kind of taking heroin and having a great time and then it cuts to yeah the dead baby or one of those scenes right and it's kind yeah. of the the shock value of of, of the juxtaposition mm-hmm. of the two mm-hmm. um so yeah that's kind of that film summarized and what he does next is he brian kind of heads off i just know somewhere and he disposes of his underwear and they're like covered in blood and he's like what the fuck um and then I also don't fully understand why they're covered in blood. Yeah, that well, because Elmer like, like Elmer the... takes the brains and he comes back to his underwear, so I guess it splashes around his underwear. Oh no, he. he... Uh, but it's also yeah. a very gay. Well, it's also a very gay thing <laughs> for some yeah. reason to be like. <laughs> he just pulls them back through the zip the the flame. I, well. Uh, yeah. Well, but as we know, uh, anal play sometimes involves blood, so I guess you know. I, 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 I wouldn't. I, not if I you do it right. Yes, but it's the snack. 80s. I don't understand any, but it's the 80s. any of these references. <laughs> we're talking about drugs earlier and no idea what they are. Alcohol. What's an know. anal? I don't know. Yeah, it's, it, I'm going to have to look it up after this podcast. We'll discuss it on another podcast. We're going to start another podcast about... Just, um, just ping me with a definition. Just, just anal. ping me later. Anal. So, side ping me. 
everything. Like, is there a glossary <laughs> I can read online? Oh, oh <laughs> yes, oh yes, James, you um, can. We have some visual aids that will help um, you understand as well. Yeah. Don't say aids when we talk about. Oh, Eagle. sorry. I'm sorry. Um. Okay. So, cut that out. <laughs> I will not. That's not nice. No. Um. He throws up his underwear, and then the lad from the building who owns Elmer comes down. And he tells him that he was feeding human brains to him. And then he explains that Elmer is the old English for something to something like inspiring famous one. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, yeah. And then Brian is like, I gotta go. Pack. He packs his shit and he's like, I gotta go. He tells them he's gotta go. Um, and then Elmer, then they go to freaking, he goes to the hotel and he's like, Elmer's like, uh, they kept me weak with animal brains. So I left him. And then Brian's like, all I remember is feeling something sticky in my pants and finding them covered in blood. We've all been um, there. We've and, all been there. And then he's like, yeah. And then Elmer's like, whatever. And then he's like, when it comes, and Brian is like, when it comes to blood in my underwear, I want to know how it got there. And I wrote, <laughs> me on my first period. <laughs> uh, but um, dumb. But that's not true because I had been well educated. But um, isn't that also the first time where he's like, oh shit, I've. How, like when you you actually as the viewer realize that he doesn't know what he's doing yeah that's basically yeah. that time yeah. from that to that point we kind of i think are under the impression that he is complicit yeah. that he's under the influence but gotcha. he is complicit um but turns out he's not what, um, did, what did you think of that scene so then when not not that bit but like when the uh when mr ackerman comes out of the archway and starts hitting us with the law I like that guy. How do you get rid of him? I like his overacting. He's very devoted to the cause of the spell. <laughs> yeah. He is. He is. He's like, this is my breakthrough role. Yeah. It's like they didn't tell him about the rest of the film. So he was like, this is my breakthrough role. It's going to be so good. I appreciate that. You know, I appreciate it. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that was good. Sorry. But how did he... I've forgotten. Because that film or that scene and the scene later on um, in my brain mold into one. How did he get rid of him? Because he was just like, give me back. Oh, there's a little fight, isn't there? Was Brian just like, no? And He, yeah. he starts like, oh, He starts okay. on one end of the he set. He comes out of this black archway, this darkened archway. <laughs> and then he starts giving him, for the, this slow walk towards Brian, and he's giving him this like, majorly back, back-filled historical lore of Aoma. Yeah. And he, yeah. like, from like, Very long, yeah, yeah, back to like, ancient times. And then when he gets to him, there's a little altercation. He grabs Brian's arm and then Brian sort of like tussles with him a little bit, which ends up with Mr. Ackerman on the floor and then Brian running away. Um, that's pretty much the, the gist of it. Um, but, but you can all, yeah. I think another thing that's established in that scene is, is um, the effect that not having Elmer's uh, juice being pushed into you um has if you in terms of an absence of it like if you, if you don't have it for for very long and because ackerman starts to look paper papery his skin looks yeah, papery yeah. he looks like he's his teeth are starting to to go he looks more almost like a zombie at that point yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah i kind of i get the impression and then from the later film or the, from the later scene i feel like it's kind of solidified where it's like i think from the perspective of mars and martha they're like using Elmer as like a fountain of youth. Like Brian yeah. is using him for like kicks, for fun, um, for the kind of drug high, whatever. Whereas the the couple are like using him so they can stay young. Yeah. So it's like a That's very fair. different yeah. 
yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, that makes sense. Because I, yeah, yeah, that's actually a fair point. Because when Mrs. Ackerman shows up later, she's she's, she's wrecked. Yeah. Like she's yeah. definitely yeah. Her hair's still screaming though. Color. Still got some still of that screaming. residual scream. She still had it. That's in. great. Yeah, she's still going for it. <laughs> okay, so you know what? I think next. Um, yeah, I think next Brian goes to the hotel. Right, he tries to isolate himself and dropped mm. juice tries to stop being addicted to that juice mm. yeah so he finds out about the murders yeah. and elmer's like calm down put me on your neck yeah <laughs> um and then he's like you're mine now brian i own you and brian is then he's like going through withdrawal he's like vomiting that's a very train spotting like um, scene very good as well i think very well done but that, yeah. yeah it's very much like a real yeah. drug withdrawal it's it's honestly thing. like i think that scene I mentioned it a few times now, but it's honestly one of my favorite scenes of the movie. I'm very yeah, distracted really by good. Abby right now. Abby's distra- distracting me. She's got. I don't know. She's got the. Um. Yeah, that scene w- with the withdrawal also has one of my favorite effects because yeah, when when he drops his ear and uh, blood starts spilling out of it, like it's very obvious how they did it, mm-hmm. but it still looks really cool. To Brilliant. Me. Yeah, it's really well done as well, and it, it also for me like it's start- it was the point where I start to really take notice of. Uh, color use as well yeah um and i don't so I'd, I'd have to go back and watch it again but it feels like blue and maybe pink those two colors seem yeah. to be very prevalent whenever something like aylmer related happens um yeah well blue is kind of the color most of the time anyway it's a very blue film in general it uses the blue nearly all of the time but yeah, mostly the blue is kind of related to the juice because the juice is blue. Right, right. So all of the hallucinations kind of incorporate blue and also very bright uh, white, very bright lights and whites is supposed to be something that Brian sees a lot. So it's kind of uh, along those lines. But yeah, this film has an aesthetic, um, which is interesting for that kind of film because most of those films, <laughs> I you know, I love John Waters, but every John Waters film looks the same. You know, they don't have an I aesthetic. I also just feel like... I feel like the the whole thing with where he has the like nightmare, I guess, of his like ear falling off, that was like for me very much like resonating in terms of when you have a nightmare yeah. that's so visceral, like that's the exact kind of weird thing that would happen in a nightmare where you're just like, what the fuck, and you just like find some weird clump or something yeah. and you just like keep pulling it yeah. and it would just seem infinite and then something fucked up happens. Yeah. And it's like, so, cause it's so like, there's no way to describe or like define what exactly is happening, but it's like, yeah. it doesn't make right. you comfy. It's also a very eighties, uh, body yes. horror thing. I think that's something that's like, yeah, yeah. You could see in the fly and you see very similar <laughs> things in the fly and stuff like that. Just this kind of yeah, gross thing that happens to your body. Very over, you know, over the top thing. That's kind of, re- that you can relate to on a very, like, I think very subconscious level is something that's kind of icky yeah. yeah it's like i've i've never pulled something out of my ear to that extent but i i understand it's funny like paras parasitical horror is something which i think would be I'd, I'd actually like to see a proper resurgence of i think that's an interesting element of horror especially especially horror which especially parasite kind of horror which changes your your kind of thought process and and, and how in control you are of your own faculties um kind of body snatchers style but i think body snatchers was slightly yeah. different because it was more like you know pod pod mm. person copies of you but same concept what was the last body snatchers film i think that was like what 10 years ago yesterday no okay it was yesterday uh the last one was called invasion with nicole kidman have you guys seen that that was pretty bad 
No, I've only seen the first one. Um, you mean the, the Donald yeah, Glover one? They make one every like twenty years. Um, so. I watched. I watched the, the Donald Glover oh, one. Really? Is a classic. Yeah. Like the Donald Glover Buddy Snatchers movie. It's just the Donald Sutherland, sorry. not the sorry. Donald Glover one. <laughs> I, <laughs> I was like hundred percent see that. I would love shit. to see that, but <laughs> I'm too old for this shit. Like, not 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 leave the weapon, Donald Glover. Uh, Donald Donald Pless. No, no. Oh my God, I said Donald Pleasant's there. Donald Sutherland. Donald Sutherland. Donald. It's because we were thinking about John Carpenter, and now I'm thinking of all the Donalds. There's so many Donalds. Why? There's a few, yeah. Uh, this is the Sutherland. Sutherland. Yeah, this is Donald Sutherland, and Jeff Goldblum is in it as well. It's a pretty good. That film's excellent. Uh, The the only other Buddy Snatchers movie that I've I can actually recall it was a Forrest Whitaker one. Uh, and I don't know if it was designed to be like a sequel, but it was a 90s one. Oh, yeah. yeah it was actually you, pretty you're good. talking about Body Snatchers, the Ferraro one. Yeah. yeah. I think Forrest Whitaker's in this Which one. I, yeah. I really enjoyed. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so they did one in the 50s, they did one in the 70s, they did one in the 90s, and then they did Invasion somewhere in the 2000s. So, yeah, basically every 20 years, so we should get one soon. Yeah. I, just, I just want more Parasite horror, because I think it's so, it's so interesting. Because you, you could do so much with it as well, as a horror trope. Parasites are scary because there is, I feel like there's something really unknown about parasites in general where it's like, they're just these things and they just happen right. and they could fuck you up. They fuck right. everything There was up. actually a film last year that I just thought of that was kind of body snatchers kind of like that. It was called Little Joe. It was about plants, like plants controlling you. Um, it wasn't very good, but it was kind of interesting. <laughs> sometimes, like, sometimes the premise can often like overwrite my like whether i should enjoy a film or not like if the premise is, is often really good in those those kind of movies yeah. even if the acting is shit or you know there are various elements of it which aren't so good the premise will win out for me because if especially if it's an un, un relatively unused one that becomes like a source of fascination for me so get that yeah, yeah. I feel like for me it just ends in disappointment when that kind of thing happens because i'm like i really liked the premise and you didn't right. do it well yeah. And now I'm disappointed because I'm craving like a good portrayal of the premise. But I get that it's like it's one of those things where you're like, I like that you introduced this premise yep. to my brain. Yeah. And I hope that someone else takes it yeah. and makes it good. I think I think there's I think kind of cinema is littered with those those over the last maybe ten, twenty years where a few shitty versions of something come out and then someone does a really amazing kind of definitive version. And in some ways that's kind of bad because no one makes anything else after that. Because that's considered to be like the, you know, the benchmark, the the max, yeah. the blueprint. Mm. Um, yeah. So let's get back to brain yeah, yeah. damage. So what happens next is, um, Elmer's basically just trying to. He's like Brian, just have my juice, please. He sings a song about and, um, it. It's great. He does. He starts to get. Yeah, that's this is the point where he says he says ready to crawl across the floor and beg for my <laughs> juice. Um, and then, <laughs> and then Brian's mouth starts foaming, akin to how um, Morris and Martha's mouth start started foaming when they were withdrawing. Um, then Elmer is singing a song, um, <laughs> and then basically Brian gives in, and he's kind of like, "Yeah, fine, whatever, I'll take the juice." And he's like, "Well, before you do that, I want to be fed. I am hungry." Excuse me. And then, um, then he goes to a building. <laughs> No, so he's no, he's within the hotel. It's um, just a really shitty hotel. Is it in the hotel? Yeah. I was so was I was so hotel. confused at this point. I didn't know where they were. I was like, What's it's going just on? like the um, seediest hotel in the world, <laughs> and it's just within yeah. the hotel. Yeah. Um. So he sees a big, a big beefy lad showering. Um. And I guess the communal shower that the 
at the hotel house. Yeah, that's a thing. That's a that's um, actually a pretty um, that's a thing. You, I, I was living like I was staying in hotels, not really hotels. I don't think you'd call them a hotel in Poland, but yeah, places in Poland where you would have like communal showers like that, where you come in and have a shower gyms? with everybody. Not really. It was a place where you sleep. <laughs> so but... like a YMCA, maybe. Yeah, maybe it's a YMCA. I, I, I mean, we don't have YMCAs in Poland, but something like that, right? Just like very cheap places for people who are traveling usually <laughs> to go from one place to another. You stay there a night or two. I guess like a hostel. Yeah, like a hostel, like a bad hostel. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's like a communal shower. There's a big beefy lad showering, um, and he's just kind of like, hey, and they're like, he's having a, they're having some kind of weird, awkward conversation, um, and then you kind of get the impression that Elmer's gonna get this guy, um. But then he just like goes goes through the water and goes to the bathroom where he sees the lad doing a shake. <laughs> well, and then he eats that guy's can brain. Can we go back to the shower, please? I just love no. that scene. So um, much happens in so that sh- shower scene. No, that shower scene is packed with all sorts of stuff. There was too much happening. I couldn't write it yeah, down. Yeah, that's fine. So that's okay. Everything you I just, need. I just, I, everything you need. I love that scene so much. It's okay. So Brian comes into the shower and there's a beefy guy there just having a shower. He's like, "Hey, what's up?" And Brian's like, "Oh, hey," because he's all fucked up. Um, and he starts kind of undressing, but he's kind of awkward. <laughs> and the dude is also kind of awkward. He's like, "Oh, don't worry, You're, nobody's gonna like bother you here. It's all good." He's very sweet. He's, he's a very a nice sweet dude. Buff dude. He's a nice guy. He's really nice. He's a nice beefy Just boy. Normal, kind of like uh, the opposite of what you would expect in this film. At this moment, you'd be like, "Oh, he goes in this hotel and so seedy and terrible." But. Oh, this guy's just a dude. He's just like having a shower, and he's like, "Hey, listen, it's all good. You know, don't be scared." Because he kind of he thinks that Brian is awkward because they're gonna be naked in the shower, and it's awkward. So he tries to be normal about it. Be mm. like, "Hey, don't, don't worry about it. It's all good. It's a very sweet." He's, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. It's I like agree. at this moment in the film, I like I'm like, "Oh, that's so nice." Um, yeah, he's a nice yeah, boy. And then there's this tension of, "Oh, is Elmer gonna kill him?" But it doesn't happen. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's just this scene of them being awkward with each other and Brian being really awkward and that other dude trying to navigate that situation. Uh, he's like, first he's like, okay, well, then I'm going to keep showering. And then he's like, kind of looking at him a little bit, but he's like, you know, and then he just kind of moves out, like, goes away. And he's like, well, okay, I'll, I'll leave you to it. It's all yours, you know. I don't know. It's very. I, I found, I found like, the, the, the character to be very nice. Like, he's really one of, like, the most, yeah. the, like, this is going to sound really weird, right? But if you take all the characters like regardless of how much screen time or exposition they've had to introduce them he was the nicest character <laughs> of them all there was there was a certain yeah. simplicity <laughs> to him like Henelotta really enjoyed filming every like crevice of this man um that's every true. soapy crevice um <laughs> there, there's definitely like a, a shot of this the soapiness kind yep. of going down the crack yep. Uh, there's, a, there's, nice. there's yeah. a deliberate quality to the filming of this scene yeah. um but like the guy's the, just a nice guy and and i and i think like i get the intention like there, there's 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 a multi to your point Mache, there's a multi-layered level of like apprehension here like first you you have this first layer you break through which is like oh shit this guy's gonna gonna you know try and take advantage of this poor young slim yeah. <laughs> vampire like guy um but then that, that that changes and you're like oh he's actually a nice dude and then the next layer of apprehension which is like oh shit elmer is now gonna take take this guy down uh, but yeah it didn't happen it just turned out it was the guy having a crap next door that got killed so he eats shitty bum bum man <laughs> yeah instead. it's a very wholesome scene and that's kind of what i like about Helen lauder in general is that there's every once in a while you watch his like every every one of his films has something like this happening to them which is just like 
a nice thing in the middle of yeah. an exploitation <laughs> film, which just kind of gives it balance. I don't know. I just watch it and I just yeah, it works. I don't know. That's great. Um, and it's kind of some kind of a solace for Brian. I don't know. But then basically that happens. He eats the guy's brain, and then yeah. then he's like he goes back to he goes back to his apartment, I guess, and um yeah. The brother finally... At the, well, first, the brother finally makes a move on Barbara. Yes. And Brian is listening in. Yeah. They're having really weirdly paced sex. Yeah. I'm not going to impersonate it. But, like, the girl's just <laughs> doing these, like, rhythmic moans. It's not even a moan. It's like a... It's the kind of sound I feel like you make when you're not having a great time, but you don't know what else to 100%. do. So you're just like, I guess I'll just make these sounds. Yeah. Um, those those two people, know. they are clearly not attracted to each other. And it's very, very obvious. And they don't want to be... They're not having good yeah, sex. Yeah, they don't want to be close to each other in any way. So this scene, the worst thing about it is it also takes a while. And that's that sex is awkward. Yeah, it's very awkward sex. It's like they recorded one moment. Yes. Yeah. And she was like, yeah. I can't do it anymore. Yeah. And they're like, okay, we'll just we'll just put this also, up. Also, their, their position is kind of um, weird. It kind of feels like he's doing a Tommy Wiseau. Oh, my like God, kinda, yes. But I think he's going into her <laughs> leg. Oh, my God, yes. This this is it. This is exactly... This is... this is Yes, this is a microcosm it. of everything in terms of like just how the relationships are, are those kind of like, you know, couple-related relationships are written in this, in this movie in terms of just like, this is someone who doesn't have experience with writing or choreographing some of this stuff and like it's the same it's the same with Tommy Wiseau it's like a, an approximation of a thing that isn't ex- is executed in a clumsy way like everything like it, and again the sa- same thing I was saying before that juxtaposition that that contradiction of tone so you have like Brian in the other room this insanely tragic situation for Brian a very well paced and filmed and then you have this utterly clumsy bizarre kind of like sex scene which is like where where is that thing being where is it being inserted like you know yeah your logical approach is having a lot of issues right now yeah yeah you're just like where's the where's the where's the penis where'd he put it is it just a pillow like haphazardly it's a good question it's a good question to ask yourself you know but not for the podcast where'd he put it um yeah just in general so there's a bad sex also those are not pillows um, that's a reference sorry (laughs) do do you get that that's those aren't pillows planes planes, trains and automobiles amazing movie um yeah so they're doing that and then through the wall brian can hear them and what looks like a boner happens but it is actually just elmer being like hello i hear activity hilarious um I I thought it was and very funny. He, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> no, yeah, it was funny. It was quite funny because it looked like he was aroused. And then he injects Brian. Brian, I guess, you know, comes again. Yeah. Um, and then he hallucinates eating Barbara's brain, but like in a threesome-like manner. Yeah, that's a great scene, actually. I I thought that was really weird. I think that Henelotta yeah, wanted to go a bit further with that. I think he chickened out. Th- that yeah, scene... That scene Wimp. was gonna. That scene, there was gonna be an elaboration on that threesome dynamic. But if you if you look, it it is an abrupt cut, and it also just switches, like the the brother kind of like is there, and it's very deliberately set up to be like a threesome, and then the brother kind of just vanishes, and then he has the you know yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, uh, I think you're. Mm-hmm. I think you might be right about this, That's and true. probably maybe he would have done it a bit differently later on in his career. But this is his second film, so yeah, yeah maybe. for sure. Yeah, I wasn't. No. I didn't. I didn't mean it in terms of like a. 
a criticism. It, it's just one of those things where it, it seemed to be quite. There seemed to be some missing components or some some kind of like quick pivot during the 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 time of filming or writing that was like, oh, actually, like this is tending tending into something else. Yeah, I think it worked though. Uh, interesting idea for sure. Like I don't know, like um, kind of stuck stick with stuck stuck with me a little bit. Yeah, like um, it's got a nearly like a Cronenberg thing to it in terms of yeah the vision and the sexuality just being very animalistic anyways um yeah so anyways he has that vision and then they finish the the sex and he comes out and sees them and they're like oh and yeah we talked about it basically yeah right so he's basically like guys we need to get like get away from me like just get away from me he doesn't mention the sex and he runs away right yeah they're basically like look this like barbara's like this isn't what you look like and brian's like People are dying, Barbara. Bob. I don't care. You need barbs. You need to get out. Um. So Barbara, like the dumb bitch she is, follows, follows him, him yeah. after he's just warned her that he's like on a murder rampage. I guess. Well, that you know, um, she really cares about him. She's obs- like she's she's a dumb bitch. Yes, if a guy but- came to me and said, "Listen, get away from me. I am killing people. You're Many gonna die." People have died. Yeah. I yeah. would say okay. I don't think she really believes right, yeah, him, fair. you know, at this point. But yeah, okay, yeah. Why not? He's been acting yeah, weird. But yeah, so she follows him onto the subway, and basically every time Barbara looks away, Brian has like a little Elmer burp. Yeah, yeah, yeah the kind of Elmer yeah, kind of comes like, out, pops yeah. out of yeah. his mouth. Yeah, um, and then so this is where the basket yeah. thing happens, and I he guess. didn't get that. Yeah, I, yeah, I understand. Yeah. Um, it's a reference to Basket Case, where yeah, where a guy with a basket goes around. Uh, it's a wonderful film, and everybody asks him, "What's in the basket?" And um, I'm not gonna say what's in the basket, but um, yeah, there's definitely a parallel between those two characters, and it's kind of fun because yeah, this guy comes in with the basket, and he looks at Brian, and he's the only guy in the train that realizes that something is off and something is wrong, and he walks away. Um, that's because he's also has his own issues, right? So he kind of there's sort of a connection between the, the two of them, um, and he kind of catches yeah. on to that. So it's just a fun nod to basket case. I thought that was awesome. Also, it was really good. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, he basically so Brian kisses um, Barbara, but just like and we know what's going on. But I kind of there's a kind of a thing where she's you know making some noises, obviously because her brain is being eaten. Um, and we start to see like blood dripping down, etc. But I feel like everyone on the subway, I think, and because it's it's set in New York, it looks I like assume. New York, right? Uh, I um, think it is. It looks like New York, and I feel like it's New York vibes. Where I feel like someone on the subway in New York would be like, "Yeah, this makes sense. They're having sex yeah. on the subway." Like yeah, everybody kind of looks away. Yeah. I'll just look away. Yeah, like it's you know, it's kind of like this is what happens. So it's it's funny because it is sort of a thing of I feel like people would just accept mm, yeah. that that's happening and they'd be like yeah fine whatever they wouldn't you know you're not going to look and be like oh he's murdering her um and then there so that that happens he eats the brain and he just kind of leaves barbara yeah, <laughs> yeah it just lays around the way yeah. lying down it's really sad um, kind of yeah there's a there's yeah, a surrender sad. to it and there's a man it's sad and um, there's a man reading the newspaper and the headline is just like killer loose in this i didn't pick up on that actually interesting oh. yeah, yeah that yeah, happens yeah, yeah. So, you know brian's a little bit of killer. like exposition a little bit of like extra awareness of the world yeah it says it says it says something like it's like three it says something like mm. three killed or whatever and which is the amount that he's killed 
Um, but I also feel like, I know that you said that you feel like he's sort of surrendering to it, but I think he is still not, fu- like, it's still not fully Brian. Mm-hmm. So he lays her down, but it is like, I feel like at this point, Elmer has taken up his yeah. brain. So it's not like Brian being like, oh, I've just killed her. Oh, well. But he is also, there's the element of like, I feel more like it's Elmer in his brain getting away from it and everything. So like he walks away and he's trying, he knows he has to do it sneakily. Right. Um, but he leaves the subway and then they get to, um, he get, they get to, I guess it goes back to wherever he th- like dispose of his underwear. They go back there. For some yeah. Reason. I don't think they had a different um, set on. <laughs> that was the set they had remaining. So, um, so Martha and Morris are there and they're like, they're in bits. They look so bad and they're there to like get Elmer back. And the wife takes him and she's like, ha I did it. And then he jumps onto her brain and just he chomps down. down. Chomps Dinner down. Time. He's chomping away. Um, the, Morris has brought a gun and he like drops the gun. So Brian takes it and then Elmer starts to eat the husband's brain. And then um, Brian's like, here, I need a hit. And Elmer's like, I'm not finished. But then Brian's like, please, I need some juice. And Elmer's like, fine. And so then the husband, so he, he like starts to inject into his neck. And then the husband is actually still a little bit alive. So he gets up and he, yeah. I guess, strangles Elmer. Yeah, he kind of squeezes sure. him kinda... out. I think he squeezes him out. So like the juice kind of pours out of him like more. Yeah, I guess he's, I wrote strangle and I had a question mark beside it. Because I was like, I'm not entirely sure what he's doing really. Because it's just a worm. Um, but he does that, and he's basically he's holding, he's holding Elmer at Brian's neck. So basically, like, so basically he forces him to overdose. Yeah. So there's way too much juice going into his brain, um, and then I think then the guy dies. I don't know. Um, he does. And yeah. then he just flops. Yeah. And he's like, he just kind of yeah, flops. Yeah. Just fucked. Um, but so Brian, um, Brian, Brian's head swells. Yes. And there's like blue pouring from it and now Elmer is also looks dead. pretty cool um yeah so there's blood pouring from it, the lad's head and then he he i think he, he goes stumbles back upstairs house, yeah guess, he goes back apartment. into his, yeah he stumbles upstairs so i guess yeah he's at the yeah. building and he goes up and he has the gun he points the gun at his head um and then he shoots the swelling yeah that has arisen there's like a little bump uh, and then just light starts to be the police show up don't they yeah, it's like police is there. Um, they yeah, want the to get him. Yeah. Police, two police yeah. <laughs> or whatever. Two, <laughs> two officers. Um, and the, yeah, there's there's like there's like lightning bolts happening or whatever, and there's just like a yeah. That ending was uh, was mad. And then then the film fucking ends. yeah. There's there's no explanation. I think it's a beautiful there's no ending. explanation of oh. like it's. I don't understand. I didn't understand it. Like uh, there's yeah. there's the whole interpretation of it is like I think it's 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 probably by design, isn't it? I think it's just like, yeah, the only way to get out is to end this. It's like a very forceful ending, I think. I don't think it's a, you know, it's just letting the the thing inside out, like, you know, forcefully. He has to shoot himself in the head in order to get it out. You know, it's kind of like Fight Club. Megan is not here, so we can talk about Fight Club. <laughs> but, you know. But he doesn't, he doesn't escape. Yeah, that's He's the thing. That's, that's why he didn't get, like, if, he, if it was like a finality to it, so he was like, you know, ending it and that was the end of him. I, yeah, for sure. But I think it was just that he turned around. He was very much there was there was a transformation there. I felt like there was a transform a stage of a transformation that has like yeah. we have we will never see 
Like, we'll never know what happens. Unless Henelotta turns around. Maybe he has, and I haven't read up about this, but... And, and explains, like, what would have been next, or, like, what the purpose of that kind of beam of light... Because it, it, it looks like he, he'd overdosed. There was an overdose aspect there. Um, yeah. But it was, like, it had the opposite effect for your body shutting down. Like, it, he was, like, fully activating. Like, every like he was over-activating there. Well, the, the the beam of light is something he sees while he's high, so it just... I guess it's, like, implied that it's in his brain. It kind of gets out from his brain. Right. And it's real, like it becomes reality. Um, I don't know. I, it's like you know, it's it's a bit different than the rest of the film because it's clearly not fully realistic. Which this film kind of you know, kind of like you know, it's not too artsy. Like anytime something happens that's kind of outside of the reality of the film, it's in the dream sequence, and this is not. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like I, I don't know. Like I just I love the the the, the I don't know. On some level, it just really it works for me. It feels very within the the aesthetic it's just like the 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 druggy the the division stuff kind of coming back into reality kind of gives it sort of a cyclical thing like it kind of comes back to it i don't know it makes sense to me on a very like baseline so, so subconscious level um you know I, I feel like i don't need any more of an ending because like what what else is gonna happen it's gonna go to jail yeah. like what no yeah, okay that's true that makes sense I, I i like i like kind of the interpretation that like it's, you have this this kind of very internalized hallucination, which is now like being actually so powerful, it's visible by other people, um, yeah. And that kind of light metaphor as well. I I did really like the um, just rewinding slightly back to the 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 train scene. Mm-hmm. I really liked yeah. how he filmed the train station and that sort of bleakness, that comforting bleakness. It reminded me a lot of um, there's a movie called The Warriors. And yeah, that, yeah, that movie sure, yeah. obviously not horror, oh, yeah. but like it, the way that was filmed, because it, it it's pretty much like, with the exception of the end, that whole film was filmed at night, um, oh, yeah, and yeah. that that for me is like almost a definitive example of why I find comfort in that kind of portrayal of the city in that era of films, and I think that that I actually felt warrior vibes coming off that train station, which was actually really nice. I really enjoyed that part. Just just the visuals, like. You know, if you stripped away all of the characters and the, the situational stuff and just had that, you know, location filmed, I'd be like, wow, this is lovely. You could just film that for the rest of the movie. I'd be happy. <laughs> yeah, I get that. Yeah, you're right. It's really nice. That's true. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I love generally like, you know, the way he films the city is like he he's clearly from there. Like there's yeah. something very homely about it. Like he, he really knows this place yeah. and he loves it in a way. You know, there, there there's this. I mean, that's generally the thing I feel about brain damage. I just feel so much passion put into this thing. Like, I feel so much love. Like, just this guy really putting everything he has into this. Like, you know, it's it's such an effort. I um, I don't know. It, it warms my heart, you know, even though it's about drug use and all those terrible things happen. There's something so comforting to me about those exploitation films where it's clearly just somebody working so hard to make this thing work, even though they have no money and very little skill and no actors and like everything's against them and they still do it, you know. And it's still this, this good, Jesus. But I, th- I think I think you can do that though, right? I mean, like it's 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 enough time has passed since it came out. Like it's a vintage movie now. Like I think you could argue that it's vintage. It has that sort of like historical aspect as well of of a movie making of a time of movie making long since gone. And I think regardless of like the yeah. themes and how they might kind of still be active in today's day and age, like it, I think it's okay to 
you know, see that as, as a comfort movie because it's, it's almost like a fantasy now. Like it's so old, like it's the yeah. frame of reference is so distant from what we, we know. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. true. That's true. Um, but yeah, it was, mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. I don't know if I'll watch it again, but I didn't hate it. Do you guys feel... It was entertaining. Do you guys feel any differently about it after we talked about it? Yep, I do. I actually... um, I think I actually appreciate it a little bit more, if I'm honest. Yeah, I feel like I had missed the... (laughs) Something. (laughs) (laughs) I... um, Not that I missed the whole drug thing. (laughs) But I just feel like I did. I didn't associate it with the like drug hysteria of the eighties. Oh, yeah. Um but then when James pointed out I was like, Oh yeah, that makes sense. It's like a topical film of the time. Um yeah, no, I think I talking about it more I feel like I find that with most films though. Yeah. After we talk about it on the podcast. If I liked it, I'm like, Oh yeah, I like it more now. So I think just I don't know, when I think about brain damage and when we talk about it, it's just like all those things kinda come back to me and I'm like, Wow, this was actually really smart and when you're watching it I don't even sometimes think about it but when i think about it back it's yeah. like wow it was actually kind of smart and well done i think that when you watch it for sure i didn't like give it the credit no. that i kind of ended up realizing maybe it deserved right I, th- I also think that the 80s right. are a little bit easy to like attribute to like um social fear to because there, there was they're mm. very big ones very very succinct easy to see ones that occurred and you could compartmentalize them and like, you know, like the thing is like, there's that whole metaphor around the AIDS virus and, you know, the fear around that. And yeah. that was at a time when people didn't really know what AIDS was. And it was like in the media is like, no one knows who has it. No one knows how it's transmitted, etc. Um, and it's yeah. similar, like that a lot of it was perpetuated by like the government and so on. And those kind of fears were like seeped into like, you know, society from there. But Nowadays, it's a lot harder to telegraph horror film into like so- social fear because it's so much social fear, like in different forms. It's a little, it's a lot less yeah. simple, mm-hmm. and we're a lot less aware yeah. of how we are as as human beings in terms of what we fear and what what worries us, like you know, anxiety and all kinds of like complex social fear that is very hard just to say like, well, in, in like the next five years, like there's going to be just these five different types of movie because there's actually 30 different types of social fear. Um, and it, it get, it's just become more and more complex. Like if you go back to like the fifties and like the whole like fear of atomic energy and, you know, like yeah. mutations and so on. Uh, that's a super, like back then that was complex, but by today's standards, that's super simple. Um, so I just mm-hmm. I I just that's why I love eighties horror films I think because there's a simplicity to it and you can it's very easy to map, you know like what you can it's very easy telegraphed in the film as to like what is the reason why this this theme is there like what is it reflecting in society of the eighties, so yeah yeah no I agree and I I I think you're right about modern like maybe horror films not having that much of a feeling about this but I think that's going to change um first of all with the perspective of time second of all because we're seeing a lot of things happen right now that are i'm sure we're going to be talking 20 years from now also in terms of cinematography you know films that are going to made be made five years from now 
are going to be with very specific fears in mind. I'm very sure about oh, yeah. it. <laughs> the first one is the, the the first one maybe that's not so obvious is something that I think already is already starting happening and that's the fear of of being a mon- minority or like the minority different kinds of minorities kind of coming forward with their kinds of fears, you know, uh Jordan Peele doing get out about being a black person in America, which is you know a very scary thing to be and uh you know i think there's like a little bit going on in terms of like gay people making horror films i'm trying to think of an example but i can't think of right now but i'm sure there was something because i have it on the back of my head whatever but i think that's kind of something that maybe is going to be a a major fear that i think is going to maybe be talked about more in modern cinema and then obviously yeah the coronavirus pandemic is you know it's going to come back to us in a few years when we can make films we're going to see 50 movies about viruses in the next in the next decade this is gonna be yeah. so many so, it's just gonna there happen, will be so. i will guarantee you i will put money my own hard-earned cash on this there will be at least one movie about an outbreak on a could be a zombie outbreak could be anything but high concept virus outbreak on a cruise ship 100 percent. that is 100 percent gonna happen i guarantee yeah yeah, <laughs> we already made coronavirus zombies there was a film about coronavirus zombies that they made right before <laughs> shit hit the fan very quickly oh it's amazing um have we reached a point now where it's like a reversal where like um real life is gonna mimic like fears reflected in movies instead of the other way around <laughs> oh my god baby <laughs> oh my jesus that's that's the scariest thing you can think of really yeah I'm trying to find a film because I feel like there has to be some kind of a film made that's like from the perspective of like queer characters. Yeah, exactly, I right? I, I I'm a hundred like I'm nearly hundred percent sure. I don't even what to Google. Um like the the first thing that comes into my uh head is Scream Queen. Um which but that's a documentary about the actor from uh, uh Nightmare on Elm Street Two and like kinda his um experience you know uh as a gay man who went into the horror genre in the 80s and was met with a lot of hate um and kind of how that changed and how it's different now and it's not perfect but like you know it's a a documentary about his life and kind of the the things and nightmare 2 in general which is a um i think i think uh, for me complicated horror horror is is best told from different perspectives and i think that the more different demographics and kind of representation that you can get in that genre, the most, the, the healthier that genre is going to be and more entertaining. Like to, to like yeah. see, uh, see like a horrific situation through the lens of someone in that particular like demographic or like from their point of view or whatever kind of group you want to put in there um, is, would, would be, I think like phenomenal from like an experiential point of view. So I, I really do hope, like, if there if there isn't kind of like queer representation or any any other representation in terms of from a creative or a directorial point of view, uh, I would I I'd love to see that because I think that's gonna that's gonna completely redefine horror. Honestly, like I think that if you just consider yeah. like, you can get a glimpse of it with the Jordan Peele stuff, which I think is wonderful. Like horror, I think yeah. some of the most provocative and genuinely like haunting horror like get out was one of the one of my favorite movies actually i loved it um yeah. i haven't seen us yet but i i really do want to see it but like that that kind of thing i think is 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 super important i think it, the more more different kind of 
representations we can get in there in the driving seat of these films. It's going to just it's going to be the whole I, I, I personally believe that's that that's the next era of horror like the, yeah. it's going to be amazing like it's going to be like and people will look back on that like we look at 80s horror um so yeah like i bring it on i can't wait G- give it to me just just yeah. keep, keep coming 100 so yeah i mean the more you diversify art and media the more the better yeah. art becomes because you're getting different perspectives and different viewpoints that are making yeah, things absolutely. really better. Yeah. And they're bringing forward things that you haven't like seen represented before. So yeah, definitely. I think that'll be yeah. a good uh, I know I was thinking, what I was thinking about, by the way, and it's not, it's not like, it's not the main part of the film, but in Truth or Dare, a pretty terrible film by Blumhouse from a few years ago. It's a teen slasher film, but there is a gay character in this, in this film. He's one of the teenagers that gets murdered by whatever. It doesn't matter. But anyways, there's this gay character in this film and he's got a very conservative father and the one of the themes of the film is that he's scared of coming out to him and that's all honestly the most interesting part of this film because it's the most palpable fear like it kind of makes sense in the context of a film of a horror film and you can kind of feel the tension and it's um yeah and I, i remember watching this film which was really boring and there's this one scene where he tries to come out to his dad and i was like wow that's actually um they're trying to do something here i i think that's a fear that's you know, something that a lot of people are dealing with now, and it's unexplored by horror. Oh, yeah. And it's something that 100% we sh- maybe somebody should do, not me, but somebody, you know, should look into because <laughs> I think that's a great Somebody thing. who's gay. Yeah, so who maybe somebody who actually had that experience. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's good. I, the, the only of re- recently, the only, I feel like, like um, film that in terms of narrative is led by, like, queer characters that I can think of that fits it would be like what keeps you alive which is it's um, by the Vicious Brothers I don't know who they are but that's what they're okay. called um, but it's like it focuses on like a lesbian couple uh, and I feel like there's possibly like one man in it in the entire film like the film just basically focuses on these two women and um, it's Canadian I think okay. and I really enjoyed it it was really good but um it was more than, and I feel like there's a, there's a certain degree to which like the fact that it wasn't really about the fact that they were a gay couple was oh, good. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that's the only one I can think of that like specifically focuses on like queer characters. Um, well, um, there's obviously one more, and that's uh, the Babadook, the the, the well, of queer course, the icon Babadook, yeah. film. Babad- the Babadook. I, I still, I still, I don't. I, why, why is, why is it? He, why is the Babadook a queer icon? Actually, is that a whole? That, that might be a whole other podcast. So they, sorry. so. <laughs> It's a right. it's a meme. Um, so I've never seen the Babadook. I really it's want to see it. It's very good. You guys should watch it. I really want to see it. Um, but no, there was basically um, <laughs> Netflix accidentally oh. put the Babadook in the LGBT <laughs> films category, <laughs> and someone posted a screenshot and was like, "Oh my god, the Babadook is gay!" And then everyone just kind of decided, and they like found bits of like subtext that they were like, "Hey, he's they like to like affirm it." But, Excellent. Um, that has yeah, given so me so much game. joy. That's so good. I thought there was like a whole like, <laughs> like <laughs> thematic, you know, thing from the creator thing. and stuff. Anyway, so good. That's a meme. I've James. I've got a really important question for you now. Okay, the film Brain Damage. Think about that film. Think about the characters in that film. Fuck on. Oh Hill. shit! We get. Oh, we are actually getting to the title of the podcast. Okay. Okay. Let's do this. I was. I was preparing yes. for this actually, <laughs> but now I've forgotten. I've forgotten Great. what my answer is. Good. I hope so. I'll improv. Okay. I'll improv it. So so I have to say who I would fuck, who I would haunt, and who I would kill. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I would, 
Oh my god, okay. Um I would let's let's go in reverse order. I would kill the I would kill Mrs. Ackerman just for some peace. Okay. <laughs> just want to sleep and, at and night. I feel yeah. like she's she she's actually in a lot of pain and she just you know, we just need to turn this that subwoofer off. Um I would haunt <laughs> the beefy dude in the shower. Ooh. Um, Why? I, I don't what? know. I, I just I just feel like but I would haunt him in a good way, like I'd support him. You know? And it wouldn't <laughs> nice. be like consistent. I I do other stuff. You'd be like Casper. Yeah, I do other stuff with my, my, my afterlife, but I would like check in on him from time to time just to make sure that he's doing all right and if there's anything I can do to sort of like, you know, keep him keep him you know help him keep him successful and yeah. in, in his life have endeavors. a little peek at his at his physique exactly yeah you know what i mean like just <laughs> <laughs> yeah make sure I make do. sure his butt is still sculpted uh and who would i fuck oh my god um that's a good question none to be honest like none of them none of them are really like that <gasps> that kind of like they don't give if i had to if you were holding a gun to my head probably we are probably the poor soul who was in the club who got killed. Um, cause she, yeah. she was like, I, I, I put her like, obviously without any like understanding of like, obviously I don't think there was any character design in her character. I think she was there to kind of, she, there was a functionality to her in the whole scheme of the, the storyline. But like, yeah. I feel like she was at face value on the same level as the, the muscly dude in terms of just general niceness, like she wasn't really like out to hurt anyone. She yeah. just wanted a good time. So yeah, probably, probably her. Um, yeah. All right. So I, I would, yeah, that's what I'd kill Mrs. Ackerman. I'd haunt the muscly dude and I'd, I'd get, get down and dirty with the, the lady from the club. I like that. That's a good, those are Beautiful. good choices. All right. Mm. Um, all right, James, you can ask one of us now the same question. Right. I'm gonna I'm gonna return that that tennis ball to Abby because she asked me first. So, who would who What's would you fuck haunt or kill in the expanded universe of brain <laughs> Well, I'm glad you asked, James. I really wasn't expecting this question. It's really okay. come as a surprise. Um, so. I'm going to fuck Mike, who is the brother. Oh, really? Just because I think he's hot. Okay. Yeah, I think he's hot, and like he isn't. Um, like Brian's also hot, but he's just not. Um, he's got some problems. <laughs> so I'm just gonna. Yeah. I'm just gonna write uh, Mike instead. Um, then I'm going to haunt Barbara. Cause she's a dumb bitch. Um, I want to haunt her and be like, listen, when he says to stay away, just do it. What are you doing? Um. And then I'm gonna. And she's also she's like poorly written, which like isn't her fault. But she's just like a boring character who literally all she says is like, "No, how's Brian? I hope Brian's okay." Um, and then I'm going to kill Morris, who is uh, the old man, because it's all That's his a fault. Fair point. That's fair enough. He's the one who brought. He's the one who brought Elmer into this whole situation in the first place. Uh, he should be more responsible with his decisions. And I his like. Money, I so. do you know what my favorite part about your your three there was the haunt. I think that was a good one. That was a really good one, actually. <laughs> I I I might have chosen that one too. Thank I you. liked that it. it was more about like 
bring in some sense to her character because obviously the writer didn't bring it in. There's a little bit of like few gaps that you'd fill there. I like that one. That was good. Good choice. Yeah, good stuff. Thank you, James. Um, no matcha. There's no one left to ask you, so you can go fuck off. <laughs> all right, all right. It was nice to see you guys. Um, I, 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 thanks, always just happy to Bye. be included, honestly. <laughs> um, <laughs> no matcha. Yeah. The film. Brain damage. Brain damage. I can do brain dead too if have you want you me to. Seen it? No, thank you. Just oh brain yeah, damage I have seen brain damage. Fuck, can't kill. Uh, fuck the monkey. Brain dead. No, I'm not. I wouldn't. Okay, sorry. Okay, brain damage. Um, um, brain damage. Well, I, I'm sure it comes as no surprise to anybody, but uh, I'm gonna fuck uh, the beefy dude in the shower. Um, just because I don't know. I feel a connection to him, and I feel like, even though I'm not gay, I feel I think we could like you know find a common language and kind of offer comfort to each other <laughs> yeah this this feels good. like the podcast i'm coming out on. uh okay now i'm gonna haunt. <laughs> i'm gonna haunt <laughs> um i'm gonna haunt mark um because that dude slept with his brother's sister like he has to be his name's mike yeah mike what did i say they say mark Mark. Yeah, Mark from yeah. the room. Yeah, he's kind of a little bit like Mark from the room. He's a bit like that. He's got the same energy to him of just kind of standing there and being confused about stuff. Um, yeah, so I'm gonna haunt him um, with just visions of the thing he did to his brother, and I just want him to think about that every time. Um, yeah, I just I just think he should have this on on his mind when moving forward with his life, and I'm gonna kill. Uh, I'm gonna kill. Uh, you guys remember the hotel scene where 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 Brian comes out of his room and then he sees the two dudes and one of them is like a punk and he's dragging the guy who later dies on the toilet to the room. Uh, I'm gonna kill yes. that guy because I feel like there's some ill intent going on there and I want it to stop. So uh, I'm killing that boy. <laughs> I forgot yeah, about those nice. two actually. I completely forgot about this. Them. Is a uh, yeah. This there's that's because the film doesn't do really anything to tell us anything yeah. about these people. They're... We didn't. We didn't need to see that bit of exposition. Well, but it is like there's something going on there, and it doesn't seem nice. Um, yeah, so that's the shady stuff going on in the hotel. So I'm killing the 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 punky dude. That that's uh, listen, yeah, Macho. You you, you chose you chose the muscly dude as your as your romance. Um, yes, I, romance is you, a lot to say. You but know, yeah, well, sure. yeah, but I think like he seems to be. If you were to take all mm-hmm. of the, the if there if you created a cleanliness spectrum. In the movie, mm-hmm. I would say he is at the cleanest end of that spectrum. Definitely, so, very clean, yeah. and in a lot of places that are usually not very clean. But we know that his crack <laughs> is clean, so there you go. It's a big plus. Incredible. When I think it's of true. people who have sex with, that's a, that's a very high on the priority <laughs> list. I'll tell you that. Well, you shouldn't be thinking about that unless you're um, speaking to a priest so that you can confess because yeah. it's a sin. Any form of impure thought. Um, Maybe this is just maybe this whole podcast is just a figment of my imagination where I try to discuss with my damaged psyche all my terrible things that are going on in my head and it's just like you know yeah. this kind of thing. Have you? I'm a manifestation of your damaged exactly. psyche who just berates you nonstop. Yeah, that would make a lot of sense actually. <laughs> you have like a yeah, or you have like you're an Elma. There's an, there's an Elma think. attached to you somewhere right now. Yeah. Come get my juice. Could happen. I need that juice. Sometimes I just wake up and I'm like, where's that juice? <laughs> where's the juice? Oh my god, me when I'm hungover. No, me when I wake up in the middle of the night and I'm really, I've been really drunk. 
I really, I all I crave is innocent oh, orange yeah, juice. Oh yeah, that's good. And I go down the stairs, and if we've got it, which we now do because our milkman delivers it, but I haven't been that drunk in a long time, yeah. that I've woken up in the middle of the night because it's usually from a party. So I've also had like salty food or something, and I'll wake up and I'm like, "Fuck, I need juice," and I'll get down the stairs and I'll go to the fridge, I'll and I'll just chug it from the bottle, just yeah. chug. So refreshing. Oh. <laughs> so great it just coats mm-hmm. your mouth oh it's great you get a good dose of um, all right thank you for <laughs> thank you for tuning into fuck on kill the podcast where we always stay on topic um never never change the subject no. never talk about um substances coating our mouths no. Never. never no no mention of any sort of substance um that was a good one i enjoyed myself very much um yeah that's good thank you right, james, james for joining us for finally this finally i got the chance episode. to star on this amazing podcast so yeah thank yes. you it was also it was nice to talk to you yeah. it's been quite a while been i haven't long. seen you in actual i mean i've seen neither of you but i've re- specifically not it's seen been exactly you 38 years yeah oh yes. yeah makes sense Precisely. Makes sense. yes um james so where where can people find you where where should they tune in to find uh, you so i am on, I'm on twitter uh, at crispy oglop so that's crispy as in like c-r-i-s-p-y oglop as in o-g-l-o-p I'm on Twitch at twitch.tv uh, slash crispy oglop. I'm very unimaginative. And that's pretty much where you can find me. Uh, if you're into video games and watching a bumbling British guy talk about them as he plays them, that's where I live pretty much in the evenings. So, yeah. It's a nice place. Good community of people. Oh, yeah. I, I, yeah. I, apparently, like, I'm, I'm in demand now or something. I don't know how that works. But, yeah. Yeah. James is incredibly famous. So, thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule. To record on the um, most popular podcast with me and Matt James. Exactly. We have a real Twitch streamer, which is the job of the future. So you it know, is. that's a, that's a dream the, come the, true the for us. The job of the future is having a camera so, on you at all times, and people just watch you do the thing you're doing. Apparently, and they talk about it, and you have to talk to them as well. That's how it works. I don't know. One might say we've already got that. Yeah, true. If you've got yeah. a webcam. Um, just want to say Jim Carrey did it first. So oh, shit. It's with many things. There's no such thing as an original yeah. idea. There's so no the such same. thing as a new idea. Oh, that's true. No. Shit. There's, they've all been taken. They've all been taken. Sorry. Uh, well. Yeah. I've been. I've been. Um, I've been. Abby. And I have been Machi. And thank you for tuning in. Uh, remember to stay safe. Wait, James has to tell us who he's what? been. Oh well, we already said who has he's been. But okay, James, go for it. But he need. He might want I've to been, say I've been James. Roger. No, I've been James. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Like, actually, I've really enjoyed this. I love to. I I don't get the chance to talk about movies that much with people, so it's been lovely to chat to you too. And you're you're a beautiful pair of people. Oh. So, oh, thank you, James. <gasps> Thanks, James. No one's has ever been nice to us on our podcast true. before. That's the first. <laughs> thank you. Appreciate that. Um, Thanks, James. You're a beautiful oh. person as yeah. well. Unfortunately, the podcast is cancelled, so we will not invite oh, you back. Shit. But thanks for being here. We've had rep- we've been reported to the authorities um, for being no. for us talking too much. Yeah, that's, that's too much. It was nice while it lasted. <laughs> well, goodbye, everybody. Be safe. Um, wear a mask. Wipe your bum. Uh, pee after Ooh. sex. Um, that's sometimes a UTI. That slow, is that a specifically for women? Um, women hey, pee after sex. Cranberry so that you juice. don't get a UTI. It's happened to me at least three times in my life. Cranberry juice should be ingested periodically to keep your 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 pee pee pipes nice and warm, nice and warm, nice and clean. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
Well, do something else to keep them warm. <laughs> That's also true. Cranberry juice is, is apparently because cranberry juice has like natural, I don't know, antioxidants. Does, yeah, I have no fucking idea. It's supposed to be good for you, but the main thing is after sex pee because, I don't know, just do it. <laughs> just do it. Um, what else? How do you, else do you stay safe? Uh, how else do you stay safe? Like, wear a mask. Wear a mask. Don't, wear a mask wash, don't cross the road. Wear, don't talk to anyone. Don't leave your house. Don't speak to anybody. Don't tell anyone online your don't name or address. Don't use knives or forks. Um, don't don't send nudes to anyone um, except your priest. Build a giant fort out of whatever you can find in your house in the middle of your living room and live there because it's safe. Yeah. Avoid wheat. Yes. Drink water. Avoid wheat? That's very specific. <laughs> <laughs> Consume only gluten. Greek yogurt. Eat gluten free. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and and just be a nice person. Yeah, be a nice Bye. person. Bye. Bye. See you, everybody. Bye. Bye. See you later. Don't stop recording because we and have. Now to we keep talking because now I'm gonna fade out.